Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. Thursday, August 1st, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, Chicago Reader social media wizard, Brianna Wellen will join us, union man Ryan Kelly returns, and we welcome back our good friend and host of the Doris Davenport Show, Doris Davenport. And now your host, host of the Ben Jarofsky Show. Crazy world we're living in, right? Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this. Can we just all get along Thursday? And here's why. Rough night at the old Benny J homestead in Chicago last night, D. There I was dutifully watching the second Democratic debate on my little cell phone because it's on CNN and I've never had cable. So I'm watching it on a screen this big. And I'm thinking, uh oh. <laughs> this beating Donald John Trump thing, it's not going to be easy as I thought or said, D. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad Mueller agrees with me on that. That's because my beloved Democrats were doing what they do best last night going at each other's throats. I don't think Democrats can fight Republicans nearly as with as much passion as they fight each other. For instance, Cory Booker went after Joe Biden. Joe Biden went after Cory Booker. Kamala Harris went after Joe Biden. Tulsi Gabbard went after Kamala Harris. Bill de Blasio went after everybody. Why, why, why is Bill de Blasio even running in this election? Okay, he's like, oh, I'm Mr. Progressive. Dude, you were turning over billions of dollars to Amazon when you were mayor of the city of New York. Actually, you're still the mayor of the city of New York. You're in Iowa while the city's flooding. Why is this man running, D? I do not know the answer to that. Anyway, there he was last night, somehow or other. Not only is he running, but even though nobody's supporting him, he had enough support in the polls and campaign contributions by the cockamamie rules that govern the- Watch your mouth. <laughs> debate process. Oh, that's an old man term, cockamamie. Hey. Hey, you know who uses it? Mueller. Oh. Yeah. That's correct. That's, uh, <laughs> those reflexes are cat like d anyway there was de blasio on stage just ripping into everybody and there we go one democrat fighting another one anyway party unity never seemed so far away now a word about kamala harris as you know as everybody knows this is the show i've been drinking dutifully the kamala harris kool-aid that's correct (laughs) i'm gonna have a little more yeah, we got nothing going on. Go ahead. But after last night's debate, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to have to drink a lot more Kamala Harris Kool-Aid to fall under her spell. Good God, what a wretched performance by Kamala Harris. Sorry, Kamala. I mean, you know, 
there she was, D, uh, on stage and sort of like the first time she had to defend herself. And I got to tell you, folks, what made me so oppressed about her was that first debate when she went after Joe Biden. And I go, oh, that's what we need, a prosecutor to prosecute the other person in the debate. Now, I know that's ironic, folks, because here I am criticizing Democrats for fighting. At the same time, I'm praising Kamala Harris for just doing such a good job of fighting with Joe Biden. That's called irony. And I know I'm not consistent. I know I'm not pure. So well, I was going to say, so sue me, except I don't want to be sued. Anyway, back to Kamala Harris. Last night, it was Don't her, sue him. <laughs> it was her turn to get fricasseed. And that's because she made the biggest mistake any candidate can make. What I'm about to say is so cynical and so depraved and so jaded. Oh, it sounds just like a typical Ben Jarofsky comment. <laughs> that it is a reflection of my almost 40 years of covering Chicago politics. Rule number one for any candidate who wants to win, never give up a real detail on anything speak in vague terms and grand themes if you give a detail they can hold you accountable for those details and so it was last night that uh was biden went after kamala harris on her health care plan i think cory booker went after her on her health care and yes it's a completely indefensible plan because we all know our system of health care is insane where we have this profit motive right in the middle, something that should be a right for absolutely everyone. So we have to work a profit in uh, into it for the uh, insurance companies at all time. We're at their complete and total and utter mercy. And yet we're told people love their private insurance plans. So we can't get rid of them. I don't know anyone in America, ladies and gentlemen, who loves their private insurance plan. But as McDumkey wisely said, the great McDumkey, Ben, people are afraid of what might replace it. So if you say you're going to replace it, then they may vote for Donald Trump out of fear. I'm scared. So what do you do if you're running for president? You don't give a detail. I know that's jaded. I know that's like not what they teach in civic classes. I know that I would be punished. Whip. Like editorial boards would be go, no, no, no. But that's the reality in politics. You don't give a detail. In fact, one of Dennis's favorite politicians, the maestro. Bob Diver? <laughs> the downstate Democrat who ran for governor? I love Bob Diver as much as the next man. man but no, I'm talking about J.B. Pritzker. Oh, right? good Lord. <laughs> Remember J.B.? <laughs> J.B., the master, the maestro, quick on his feet. What did I used to say about him, D? I used to Whoa. call J. <laughs> Off the mic or on the mic? <laughs> J.B. Travolta, because he was such a good dancer. Remember oh, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I remember that. Uh, what was the other thing we used to say about him? He's smooth talking or whatever it was. Anyway. Nope. J- <laughs> I don't know what you were about to push, but I'm sure it was a J.B. Pritzker-related uh, bit. The thing about J.B., when he was running for governor, he said he was going to come to a fair tax. You remember all the reporters throughout the state of Illinois, myself included. And he said he loved puppies. And for the record, I love puppies. <laughs> hey, there you go, Dems. That's how you run a campaign, all right? Talk about puppies. Don't talk about the intricacies of your health care plan. Then you get slipping and sliding in the details and trying to defend the indefensible. Anyway, JB. I'm not a perfect person. <laughs> that is for sure. Anyway, JB Pritzker, he ran uh, on the he ran on a platform calling for a fair income tax, and everybody in the state of Illinois, every reporter, uh. Uh, 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 candidate Pritzker, uh, what are the details of your plan? And he would talk about puppies. He would talk about the eagles. He would talk about Steve Miller. The band, by the way, not the animal. 
Yes, thank you for that clarification. A lot of our millennial listeners are out there. Who are the Eagles? Uh, and he would talk about everything under the sun except the details of his plan. Why? Oh, sorry, I was going to say shout out to the live stream chat, Pat Rod, a devotee of the Ben Jarofsky show. Sugar Ray Pritzker is what you call it. Sugar them. Ray Pritzker. Good God, that's right. Because he was quick on his feet. Like the great Sugar Ray Leonard. Couldn't hit him. Couldn't lay a fist on him. Of course, it also helps when you have like gazillions I'm of rich. dollars. <laughs> Here you go. Anyway, Sugar Ray Pritzker. Thank you uh, very much, Pat Rod. Anyway, Sugar Ray Pritzker, quick on his feet, never gave a detail. Every time a reporter asked him, he would talk about something else. If you give a detail, they're going to hold you to that detail. You change the subject. You go in the counterattack. That's what you do. Is it, is it good for democracy? No, of course not. But is it how you get elected? Yes, unfortunately. Uh, Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris. Hold on. Got to drink a little more of that Kool-Aid, D. It's running low. <laughs> Not a full cup. It's going to take a lot of Kool-Aid to get me excited about Kamala. But here's the good news, D. We still have a long way to go before the general election. We got a great show today, everybody. Brianna Wellen will be here, social media wizard. From the reader, she'll be talking about the debates and all the groovy things. Like that word, D? I've been thinking 60s since I saw oh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Awesome. Groovy. We, anyway, uh, she will be here uh, to be talking, and we'll be talking debates with her. Uh, Ryan Kelly will be here, union man Ryan Kelly. I got a few tricks up my sleeve for Mr. Kelly. <laughs> we'll be talking about union news with Ryan Kelly, and then I can't wait. Doris Davenport, she is so fired up to talk about the debates, debates, debates. She watched all the debates. She was texting me last night. She's She's got like a bunch of surprises she's going to unveil. A lot of political talk ahead of us. Uh, we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> many hats from the Ben Jarofsky show. He's uh, moved a chair. He got up from his head. But what, right. one time about a, was it what, a, a couple of weeks ago, I was writing, talking. All of a sudden, Dennis got up and left the room. I go, where are you going? And yeah, I that was remember funny. that. I don't know yeah, because I had to get the guest. Uh, was that what you were doing? Yeah. No, I think it was something else. I uh, said, see ya. <laughs> I got the guest. I think you were uh, drinking. That day. Oh, oh my God. Hey. Anyway, prank uh, on the job. So. Plenty of political talk ahead. Before we do that, the doctor with the news. All right. Our editor, Leah. Hopefully, she gets back soon. She's going to, she's part of this bit coming up. All right. It's the middle of the day. She did what I did yes. at one time. <laughs> Many hats on the bench. She's, she's grabbing our guest, Brianna. Yeah. It's the middle of the day. Let's talk about the national news happening this afternoon. Yeah. Everybody's talking about last night's debate. Mm. It was 2020 Democratic presidential candidate debate round two, night two. Brought to you in part by so many attempted Joe Biden verbal beatdowns. <laughs> yeah, oh. Everybody's going after Joe. And the word malarkey. So this idea is a bunch of malarkey. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. Get malarkey oh, back. Malarkey. Yes, we knew it was coming. Here's a little montage of damn near every candidate running over Biden last night. But hey, unlike the last time, the former vice president <laughs> didn't just lay in the middle of the road and let everybody do it. He fought back. He must have doubled down on his Centrum Silver, Ben. <laughs> what is or that? Or whatever vitamins really old uh, people take. Hey, hey, hey. No ageist jokes, okay? Is that right? Centrum Silver? You're old. I am old. But you know what I do? What? I, I drink the Kamala Kool-Aid. Oh, okay. That oh. keeps me young at heart. Oh. <laughs> and I eat those lifesavers that Mark Sims brought. Okay. Yeah. By the way, run low, Mark. Uh, you know, bring some no, more. No, don't. Okay, don't, don't. 
We'll eat them on the show. Dennis and it's hates bad. the lifesavers, Mark. I love the lifesavers. You're welcome, listeners. Uh, they're white lifesavers. Ricky Hendon goes, where are the black lifesavers? Remember that great uh-huh. line from Ricky Hendon? Um, so anyway. We had the lifesavers there, and it'd be like, a, so uh, <laughs> what do you think? In your humble opinion, what do you think of politics? Oh, let me think here. For Open 10 trivia points, lifesaver. which guest most violated the lifesaver policy? Uh, the one who cre- who got uh, who inspired it? Yes. Susana Mendoza. <laughs> yeah. Oh, here's a lifesaver. I know. I'll open it on the mic. And hey, Ben. <laughs> yeah, you know, politics. You Not know what's over here funny? Going crazy. It's funny. The BGA did that deep dive on some of the things she said on our show. But not once did they mention Lifesaver Gate. Did you notice that, D? Come on, BGA, wake up. Get, Get to the real it. issues. My goodness. How about me in your article sometimes, huh? <laughs> the producer, Dennis. <laughs> uh, then that other guy, Dr. D, said. Yeah, I'm a d- not a doctor. <laughs> hey, Talk they spelled my me. name right. That's all that matters. All right, Centrum Silver was right, though. That's what old vitamin, right. old people vitamin. All right, shout out to CNN for the audio. Let's mm-hmm. play this here. Oh, and also shout out to CNN for the hip instrumental that's playing underneath. Mr. Vice President. Vice President Biden. I want to address uh, Vice President Biden directly. (laughs) That's cool, Under your plan, status quo, you do nothing to hold the insurance companies to to task for what they have been doing to American families. Anytime someone tells you you're going to get something good in 10 years, you should wonder why it takes 10 years. It looks like one of us has learned the lessons of the past and one of us hasn't. Let me begin by telling you. Middle ground solutions, like the vice president has proposed, or sort of middling, uh, average sized things are not gonna save us. We have a system right now that's broken. And if you wanna compare records, and frankly, I'm shocked that you do, uh, I am happy to do that. Because all of the problems that he is talking about, that he created. Why did you announce in the first day a zero tolerance policy of stop and frisk and hire Rudy Giuliani's guy in 2007 when I was trying to get rid of the crack cocaine? Uh, Mr. Vice President, there's a saying in my community, you're dipping into the Kool-Aid and you don't even know the flavor. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The Kool-Aid show. Hey, by the way, CB, Corey, that Kool-Aid line is my line. Stole my line. Uh, oh, there's a lot of that going on today. We're gonna, stealing my lines left and right. We're going to be playing the interview from Rahm Emanuel on oh, uh, Late God. Night with Colbert. Mayor Rahm stole my lines, too. Oh, my Man, God. Mayor Rahm. All right, so you get the point there. Yeah, everybody was trashing Joe Biden last night, but Joe Biden fought back. Last time, did not at all. He looked very shocked, actually. Uh, so like we did yesterday, we're going to go around the table here and grade the candidates on their performance last night. But before we do that, let's pick our winners. Hosts go first. Uh, let me channel my inner Ben Jarofsky. In your humble opinion, <laughs> says that a lot. Who is the winner of round two, debate two? Uh, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Okay, that was yesterday. Yeah, I know, but the, everybody was such a loser last oh night. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, if I had to p- pick one winner, huh? Oh, I would say it's a tie between Joel and Now, you Joe did this yesterday. Biden. You got to pick one. Wait, what did I say yesterday? <laughs> what? Oh, the same one, Sanders and Warren. Yeah. 
All right, I'll give it to Jolton Joe because at least he survived. Okay, so but I, uh, you know, I thought Tulsi uh, had a couple good moments last night too. Uh, even though she's a little wimpy on the impeachment, come on, man it up or we'll man it up. I should say on impeachment. So I'll give it to Jolton Joe with Tulsi right there. All behind right, me. all right, Editor Leah, I was worried you were gone there for a minute. <laughs> Who was the winner? Uh, Tulsi Gabbard for me. Tulsi, she loves Tulsi Gabbard. She got a t- Tulsi tattoo last night. Oh wow, yeah. Uh, should we bring Brianna into this already? Or yeah, should we give her a break? Her Brianna? I'm ready. All yeah. right, Brianna Wellen from the Chicago Reader. Uh, she just walked in, got a, gl- a glass of water. And uh, so who was the winner of last night's debate? Go! Oh, man, I would say Cory Booker for me. CB. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow, wow. Oh, why do you say that? I feel like he did a really good job of staying on message and being like, guys, we're on the same team. Like, we're all trying to accomplish the same thing. And that opening line where he was like, this is exactly what Trump wants to see right now is all of us fighting and using these, this Republican rhetoric against each other. I, I was actually saying the same thing in my opening bit, too. Were you a Corey uh, fan before last night's debate? Um, I, I've definitely been following him, but last night bumped him up the list for me for sure all right well leah's a huge cory booker oh, fan. i do like cory booker i think cory booker is second for me was- uh, from last night's debate yeah okay all i right. pick uh joe biden as the winner simply because uh, he's in the lead all he had to do was just you know survive Stay in the lead. yeah yeah, yeah. And not get run over <laughs> stick up for himself yeah. uh and it seemed like uh, he's now more of his, aware of his surroundings so yeah i'd say joe biden was the winner because he's in the joe. lead you yeah. know what i mean mm-hmm. just don't look like an idiot dude <laughs> Well, okay, we'll let that one go. All All right, right. so let's give grades to the candidates here. Mm. We did it yesterday. It's a pretty good time. First up, Andrew Yang. Okay, Andrew Yang. Now, we're going to have some differences of agreement on uh, Andrew Yang. Uh, I really appreciated the fact that Andrew Yang does not wear a tie. He called attention to that fact. Uh, I hate ties. I've always hated ties. And uh, so... Big issue guy here. If if it was... The whole race came down to the issue of wearing a tie, I would vote for Andrew Yang. Uh, Unfortunately, there are other things I have to consider. So, uh, Andrew Yang, you know, D... He's a one-issue candidate, and I'm not really feeling the one issue he has, uh, which is to give guaranteed income for every person in America. Uh, And so to have him on stage hammering at that issue time and time again is sort of like leads me to this question. Why are you running for president of the United States? There are so many problems that we have in this country. Uh, This existential threat of climate change. We talked a lot about that yesterday with Mike Novak. And here you are talking about your one plan, which will never happen in a million years. And so I don't think he's really contributing anything of importance uh, to the discussion debate other than I uh, like how he's liberating men from having to wear ties. So that's my opinion <laughs> of Andrew Yang, and I would give him a C. A C. Yes. Very nice. Yeah. Leah. I think I'd give him a B minus because he stepped up a lot from the last debate. He actually impressed me because I didn't think that he was a candidate. Like I didn't take him seriously before. And he may have one issue, but it's a pretty I to me it's a good issue. You I like think that and issue? I like how he kind of connected it like everything every topic he tied back but my what to that issue but my one criticism was that when uh, they were talking about climate change and they were like it's he's like it's too late that's why we need to give everybody a thousand dollars to protect themselves let's all get high <laughs> oh yeah yeah and that was really funny and kind of so but that surprised me because along the campaign trail he's been talking a lot about um, like how much he wants to invest in carbon capture and stuff like that and renewable energy so I don't know why he didn't talk about that um, 
but yeah, he is a one like kind of a one trick pony. But one trick pony, yeah. Brianna. I really have not been following him that much at all. I'm not a politics head like you guys are. Um, so I that was the first I heard about his thousand dollar thing, which just sounds fake to me. Um, it reminded me of Veep, actually. I feel like that's like what a character on Veep would solely run on. I'm gonna give him a C plus, and the plus is just for getting big laughs at the top during his opening remarks. What was his opening remark? I got it here. I'm gonna okay. give him an A just was, because he yeah, said I like it. the thing. Uh, uh, the thing about the no, math? he just said anything. Oh. The last debate, he said nothing <laughs> all at right. all. The bar is low. So he gets an A for me just right. for getting his hands out of his pockets and uh, talking. Here's Andrew Yang. If you've heard anything about me and my campaign, you've heard that someone is running for president who wants to give every American $1,000 a month. I know this may sound like a gimmick, but this is a deeply American idea from Thomas Paine to Martin Luther King to today. Let me tell you why we need to do it and how we pay for it. Why do we need to do it? We already automated away millions of manufacturing jobs, and chances are your job could be next. If you don't believe me, just ask an auto worker here in Detroit. How do we pay for it? Raise your hand in the crowd if you've seen stores closing where you live. It is not just you. Amazon is closing 30% of America's stores and malls and paying zero in taxes while doing it. We need to do the opposite of much of what we're doing right now, and the opposite of Donald Trump is an Asian man who likes math. The crowd loved that line. So let yeah. me share the math. $1,000 a month for every adult would be $461 million every month right here in Detroit alone. The automation of our jobs is a central challenge facing us today. It is why Donald Trump is our president, and any politician not addressing it is failing the American people. Yeah, I, 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 that, I remember that opening like, oh, that's pretty funny. Uh, the thing is, is where he, I'll now uh, give him a shout out for this. Like Marianne Williamson, what he does, I think, is give, uh, he, he gives a perspective about a change in society that we're often ignoring and just how people are just getting automated out of their existence, out of their jobs. And our country seems incapable or unwilling to deal with that and confront that uh, in any systematic uh, way. I give him credit for bringing that up. Like Marianne Williamson brought up the, the legacy of slavery and the legacy of Jim Crow uh, in a debate where people generally avoid complicated, deep dives into uh, important issues. Uh, but um I to uh, no you it is straight out of veep. Nobody's going to come up with it a thousand dollars a month. Uh, like when I joke about the TIF program in Chicago where we just shower money on developers, I always say, you know, if we just gave that money literally to people in the city of Chicago, we'd be better off. So I get there's a part of me that's now that I think about it is sort of feeling the Andrew. Hold on, uh -oh. I have some oh, no. He's got Andrew Yang Kool-Aid. Andrew Yang Kool-Aid. Plus, he doesn't wear a tie, D. All right. All right. So that was our uh, grade on Andrew Yang, if you yeah. just tuned I'm in. I'm sticking with the C. Sticking with the C. If you just tuned in, uh, we're giving grades to the candidate's performance last night on the debate. Up next, Cory Booker. <laughs> C, B, Cory Booker. I'm going to give him a B. Uh, I thought he got a great line about the Kool-Aid. Stole it for me. It's okay, Corey. Uh, and uh, he was on the tack. And, you know, he sort of, uh, he, 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 for the first time, I felt as though he was showing why he wants to run for president, uh, why there's this 
this drive in him uh, to do take on this uh, enormous task. I also have to say that this B is fleeting because I'm not sure he's going to be around for much longer as a candidate in this race. Uh, it doesn't seem like he has any pathway to victory at all. So I'll give him a B for coming up with a great line. I'll speak for Leah on that one. Uh, oh, I know what you're thinking, Leah. So this idea is a bunch of malarkey. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you talking about Cory Booker like that? She loves Cory yeah, Booker. I, I got your back, Corey Leah. <laughs> she loves him for because he ran into a burning building once, as I recall. So uh, what was your grade? Um, I give him an A minus. I, yeah, I, I think I, he really stuck to his message yesterday. I think that he's kind of promoting a Marianne Williamson-esque message, but in a way that's more sane and makes more sense to people, and he's very charismatic. So I definitely agree with him uh, in that I think the party needs to be unified, and I, I, I'm glad that he emphasized that. Yeah, I definitely agree with Leah on that one. Um, he's de- who was the most charming person on that stage. He was the only person that I walked away still like liking. Really, everybody else had moments where I was like, "What are you doing?" And I really like that Cory Booker is a single person. I think it'd be cool to have someone who's not married as oh, a president. He's dating Rosario yes, Dawson. Yes, he is. Yeah. Power couple. Um, very powerful. Yeah. Uh, so. Still, he's single because they're not yeah, married. Right. Okay. Yeah, it's different values that he's going to bring into the White House, which is a very traditionally family values, married people, caring about stuff. Uh, so great. I'm going to give him an A. Whoa, okay. Nice. Corey is winning over the crowd here, young D. I'm going to give him a C. Because Kamala Harris did that in the last debate. He's just trying to pull the Kamala Harris and rip Biden. You know what I mean? So Kamala was the original gangster to uh, rip Biden. You know what I mean? So and Corey's d- trying to do it, too. You know, uh, But you didn't like his Kool-Aid line? I stole it from you. <laughs> I know he did steal it. All right, let's do one more, and then all we'll right. take a break here. Uh, we got a lot of candidates we're going to go through. Uh, we're going to get all the candidates throughout today's show. Uh, our next candidate did pretty well, I'd say. Tulsi Gabbard. Oh, yes, yeah, Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, well, why don't you go first this time? Oh, uh, she definitely gets the a plus for me. I think that she did the best. Um, I appreciate her. Her message is very different than everybody else's. Nobody's really focusing um, on the issues that she is. I think that her anti-war campaign, uh, her, I don't know, that, that she wants to promote peace like this and take, nobody's proposing the solution to take money from abroad that we're spending unnecessarily and to bring it back to promote our economy here. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a fresh idea. Yeah, I'm going to give her a B plus. I think that while Cory Booker was super charismatic and talked about bringing the party together, she was one of the only people who wasn't like actively engaging in a aggressive way with the other candidates. And you know, she went after Kamala. Uh, yeah. Yeah. She went after Kamala right. pretty hard. But for the most part, she was pretty even tempered and really was just getting her actual message out there instead of doing the back and forth that so many of the other candidates were doing. I am going to give her a B, okay? And here's my thing. Uh, I agree with uh, very much uh, with you, Leah, that um, I really appreciate. I said this in the first debate. I remember I was uh, very appreciative of her in the first debate. She gets... She talks about war uh, from the viewpoint of someone who's been in a war and breaks down just sort of like the easy platitudes that we have. We hear so much in politics today just about supporting the troops while we blindly uh, adhere to policies that send troops to either be killed or kill without thinking about the consequences of it. So, you know, like, so we have a, oh, my good friend Antonio and I used to talk about this all the time on the old show. Uh, so we'll be at a sporting event and they'll bring 
bring out a veteran who has served and everybody stands up and cheers and that's almost as though that's what we're doing we as long as we cheer it's enough uh, without thinking about the consequences of sending Americans to fight wars that for which we uh, there's there's no real reason to be fighting those wars and with when so many of the reasons cited uh, to go to war are lies uh, concocted by evil people who shouldn't have the power that they have and I, I really appreciate her um, articulating uh, these viewpoints etc uh, the only reason I don't give her an A is because I don't appreciate some of the other issues uh, her position and some of the other issues which weren't even brought up at the debate. So I guess it's really not fair for me to give her a B based on things. But she didn't wear a tie. Uh, she did not wear a tie. No, she wore. A, she was wearing white. She looked striking, as I recall. Um, so I, you know what? I'll up her to an A because it's unfair <laughs> for me. You. It's unfair. It's unfair for me to hold her accountable for what I think are the nonsensical things she says about impeachment uh, and her utter wimpiness on impeaching Donald John Trump. So I'm going to give Tulsi Gabbard an A plus. Whoa. Wow. How about that? Boy. How about that? Because yes. unlike Cory Booker, she didn't go uh, after Biden. No, no. She went after Kamala yeah, Harris. She went Kamala Harris. Yeah. And she went strong. And it was. And she must be listening to the Ben Jarofsky show because she sure did sound like Sergio Mims. Uh, yes. When, <laughs> when Sergio Mims was talking about uh, uh, Kamala's uh, position on uh, uh, drugs uh -huh. in California. Yeah. And also, uh, uh, yeah, that was yesterday. Sergio Mims was on the show. He was strong, came out strong about Kamala. Uh, and yeah, it's absolutely true. And Kamala had no defense whatsoever. And this is going to be problematic. Hold on. I have to try to drink some Kamala Kool-Aid before I say this. And that cup's running low, buddy. It really isn't working. But um, the whole notion that, that Kamala Harris, as attorney general in the state of California, locking up people for smoking reefer, uh, when just like Hollywood is filled with people who mm -hmm. smoke reefer, make movies about smoking it, rap videos about smoking it, it just really um, symbolized the double standard the hypocrisy uh, on this particular issue. And so, yeah, uh, Tulsi Gabbard hammered hard, and it's something that Kamala Harris is going to have to figure out if she uh, is going to uh, make it to the next round. So there you are, three down, seven more to go. And throughout today's program, we are going to grade each candidate at the debate last night. How did they do? Weigh in on the Facebook or Twitter page, at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show. We'll keep you posted on this as today's program rolls along, and we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment. Weekly concert listings. Weekly event listings. The environment. Travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader. Free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Today's Ben Jarofsky Show was brought to you in part by Chicago Architecture Center. Discover the breadth and majesty of Chicago's architecture on a Chicago Architecture Center bus tour. From bungalows to Bauhaus, our expert docents will share the fascinating stories behind our city's architecture. Book your tour at architecture.org slash tours. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm actually on a bus tour right now. Oh, my. Look at that wonderful piece of architecture.
Get a special discount for Illinois residents from July 15th to August 15th. All Illinois residents get 50% off select walking tours. Visit architecture.org slash IL dash resident. First call is to Prime Minister of New Zealand, who said that her goal is to make New Zealand the place where it's the best place in the world for a child to grow up. And I will tell her girlfriend you are so on, because the United States of America is going to be the best place in the world for a child to grow up. Hey, playing now at Steppenwolf Theater, the world premiere of Ms. Black for President. It's inspired by the true, that's true as in it really happened, T-R-U-E story of Joan Jett Black, America's first drag queen presidential candidate. You know who created it, D? No. It was created by Tony nominee Tina Landau. Oh. And you know who else created it? No. Oscar winner Terrell Alvin McCraney. You know him, Moonlight. Oh, oh, oh yeah. yeah. For tickets, visit Steppenwolf.org. That's Steppenwolf, like the rock group from the 60s, Hang tight, millennials. (laughs) Commercial break over. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Yes, indeed, boy. If you could hear the riveting conversation we have, we're not on mic. All about Rosario Dawson. Who is she? Men in black. Oh, yeah. I know Rosario Dawson. Anyway, she's dating Cory Booker. Did not know that. Thank you, Leah. Or which one told me that she was dating? You told me that, right? It's just common knowledge among the youths. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, the old guy doesn't know that. I did not know that. So anyway, Cory Booker dating Rosario Dawson. Uh, Brianna Wellen is my guest, social media editor of the Chicago Reader, my beloved reader. This is... Uh, uh, old issue of the reader because the the new issue that I had yesterday was stolen, taken by one of our guests, Harumph. And um, so anyway, Brenna, welcome to the show. Thanks First so time. much for having me. And uh, we have something new uh, at the reader that's happening August 23rd, and we all want to hear more about it. So tell us about it. Yeah, we're doing a telethon. It's going to be live streaming on our Facebook page and the reader website. It's 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Uh, love letter to Chicago journalism. They're going to be a push for our membership program um we don't have a lot of details on how to do that that'll be coming out in the next couple weeks so keep an eye on the reader social media pick up the pages of the reader but i can't say there may be tap shoes involved at some point during the telethon so i hope that's enough of a tease to keep people watching uh, work for me <laughs> i yeah tap shoe i hope i hope i don't have to dance good god <laughs> if it, uh, it 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 came down to me dancing i don't think anybody would contribute to the reader uh but uh, so this will be from seven to seven mm-hmm. uh telethon could, and uh I, the one thing i know about it it's been very hush hush is that dennis will be the producer of mm-hmm. the whole thing gonna be there all day all right. bright and early go to bed early that night uh yeah and i will be doing a, a remote from the reader office uh, it, uh doing our regular show from mm-hmm. one uh to three thirty or whatever whatever the regular show is but from the reader office yeah, and so. it'll be a cool chance for people to see what the where the magic happens what the office looks like and meet some of the current staffers we're hoping to get some old reader folks on as well to talk about the history of the reader so if anybody is listening who is a former reader person who's interested in being a part of it, definitely reach out on social media or email me at uh, bwellen at chicagoreader.com. Bwellen and W-E-L-L-E-N. Yeah, W-E-L-L-E-N, Brianna Wellen. All right, Brianna, so what is just something, some of the good stuff in the reader that we should know about uh, some of the stories that you're really excited about? Yeah, our cover story this week is actually by former intern Matt Harvey. It's about an organization called Project Swish, and it 
provides basketball courts for kids in the summer who don't normally have access to them outside of the school year. So just trying to keep kids on the south and west sides off the streets and keeping up their b-ball skills all summer as well. That's a really great story to check out. Um, the Tribe is back this week with their series, The Block Beat. They are talking to drill music queen Katie Got Bands. They went back to her old home in Ellis Park where the projects used to be that got torn down, the Ida B. Wells project. So uh, that's a really great video online that you can check out and then the story in the paper as well. And then we got a story that got retweeted by Ann Coulter. So we got the Ann Coulter bump for maybe the first and last time ever in the reader. Wow. What story was that? It's about uh, Luxembourg immigrants in Chicago. Apparently, we have the second largest Luxembourger population next to Luxembourg itself. So... So why did Ann Coulter... I have no idea. If anyone has any insight into her fascination with Luxembourg, I would love to hear about that as well. Wow. Uh, Did it generate a lot of hits because of uh, Ann Coulter? I think it's our top story on the site right now and definitely our top story on Twitter. You know, why don't you retweet my story denouncing Republicans uh, for not, uh, you know, for rolling over in the face of Putin invading uh, computers? Why don't you retweet that one? I no? mean, she's a mystery. Yeah, that, I have no idea. Uh, yeah, that, I'm a little surprised she didn't retweet that one when I took the Republicans down for uh, for not doing more to uh, uh, defend our election systems, uh, our election computers. Well, I heard she was going to, but she kept spelling your last name wrong. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah, she's looking for Javorski. Yeah, that's a common problem in the world. Oh, that explains you everything. Know, ben, if you were on Twitter more, oh, maybe boy, here we go. <laughs> she would retweet you. <laughs> I agree with Brianna. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so here's the story of me and Twitter. This goes back. In fact, I might bring, uh, when we, if we uh, have uh, a reader alum at this, uh, uh, on August 23rd, I hope Allison True will be there. Allison True, for many years, was the editor of the reader. Mm-hmm. And uh, she uh, was the editor of the reader when Twitter became a thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember Allison telling me, Ben, you have to go on Twitter. And I was like, I didn't know what it was. I just a vague notion of what it was. I read about it. I didn't like it. It was just not my thing. I said, do I gotta? And she said, yes, you have to. So, because uh, we're all, give Allison credit. She was ahead of the curve there a little bit. Or at least maybe she was with the curve. Who knows? <laughs> I was beyond the curve. So she, um, uh, she, she made me get a Twitter handle. And I, Brianna, came up with the worst handle in the world i i tag you all the time uh, i don't think it's that bad <laughs> giraffe ben it's i mean i don't know what i was thinking i wasn't thinking anything i was like god ah. i was mainly just mad at allison for making me do it uh and i just never got in to twitter in just never got into it. what's you're you're in charge of social yeah. media so what's your thoughts on twitter i love twitter and that's part of the reason that i think i ended up in this role is it's just a really great way to find out what's happening in real time mm-hmm. and also like make the jokes really quickly before everyone steals the jokes. Like the Kool-Aid thing that would have gone out on Twitter if you had used your Kool-Aid Twitter. For how many months? <laughs> how long have I been doing Kool-Aid? That would have been a good tweet. Hey, yeah. you stole my Kool-Aid joke. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> there was a time when, uh, when yeah, we but, started the show where I was like, Ben, dude, just let me like run your Twitter account, right? Mm-hmm. So I got access to it and I'm like acting like Ben. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I'm being Ben on, it was weird. Okay. Yeah. Just put man a lot uh, on that, and that works out for Ben. <laughs> Why, man? Yeah. Hashtag Chicago Bulls every tweet. Yeah. Right? Were, were, yeah. were you at the reader? I can't remember when I uh, got in t- trouble on Twitter. I don't remember this. Oh, uh, no. All ben. right. So this was a, a, an idea that um, 
uh, Tall Rosenberg came up with, who is no longer at the reader. The, the list of people who are no longer at the reader while I'm still there is a very long list. Uh, so Tall Rosenberg was is a millennial. And so as such, he too knew about Twitter and his bones. And so he said, Ben, here's what we're going to do. We're going to introduce you to Twitter. All right. So you're a Bulls fan. So we're going to tweet out uh, your responses to a Bulls game in real time. Mm -hmm. I don't know what he was. So we met uh, mm -hmm. for dinner. Uh, it was, uh, we had uh, father and son. I ate the chicken, as I recall. It was delicious. And uh, so the Bulls game goes, starts on, and we're watching the game on the TV there, and Tall's tweeting, whatever comes to my mind. And I just um, start, I don't know, what, what the making comments about the Bulls game. And so people start responding as they do it at Twitter. Mm -hmm. And so people were like, what is this? <laughs> they, they, they were like negative comments about it, oh, you know? No. Yeah, so I didn't really have the best response. I was like, people were coming at me. So I'm like, oh yeah? Well, beep you, mother, beep. Oh, and I'm boy. like, put that in there, man, put that in there. And so I got into this Twitter war <laughs> with, people i don't even know you know we're learning why you don't do yeah. twitter now yeah. well it's kind of like don't read the comments you know like you can't respond to the haters you just got to that the whole point yeah no i um, anyway so the next thing you know i'm fighting with like two or three different people on twitter and uh it's swearing and uh, one of the editors uh weighed in and um <laughs> It was really embarrassing, and I well, the good news is I got a column out of it. But uh, I just, yeah, I I didn't like it. I um, I didn't. I, I guess I, I just didn't like the confrontation, the head to head mm -hmm. confrontation, which is. It's we actually don't get that many bad things on the reader Twitter, which mm -hmm. I think is really surprising. But what I do like is like the other side of that, which is you can instantly reply to nice comments, or people can reach out to us directly, not knowing that it's you know, one person behind, it becomes more personal when we can respond back to them. And then like on my personal Twitter, I can reach out to celebrities, pretend they're my best friends. Sometimes I get a tweet back or like a fave or something. That's great. Who'd you, who have you gotten faves and tweets back from? Oh man. Now, of course I can't think of anyone, but yeah. <laughs> um, definitely the star of iZombie is my most recent. I don't know if you guys watch that show. It's a millennial show, but she faved my tweet about how much I love her show. That was great. Um, Lior recently wrote about Smash Mouth and Smash Mouth retweeted and said like, great work, Lior. That guy and loves Smash Mouth. He yeah. loves Smash Mouth. Uh, yeah, no, I... Uh, <laughs> has, you, what's your favorite Smash Mouth song, Ben? Uh, my favorite Smash Mouth song? Uh, I really love We Are The World. Oh, okay. Smash yeah, Mouth. Yeah, it's a great cool. song, yeah, man. That's good. Like when the whole chorus comes in. Really love Smash Mouth a lot. Catch him at Lollapalooza this uh, weekend. Yeah, I will be there. Um, but uh, I, I had a different attitude about uh, Twitter, a little positive attitude. I don't know if you saw this, um, uh, Brianna. There was a um, uh, Monica Lewinsky. Uh, did you? I don't. Did you follow this story about Monica Lewinsky? Well, uh, I know she's done a lot of amazing things on Twitter. I really love how she uses her Twitter presence to sort of poke fun at herself while drawing attention to the issues that put her in the position that she's in. Yeah, yeah. And there was a um, there was a bit that uh, John Oliver did about public shaming. Uh, on Twitter and just public shaming in general, which I thought was a really important bit about how we've gotten so used. And th this is, gets at the heart of why I don't like, one of the reasons I don't like Twitter, because I immediately found myself getting into this fight on Twitter, which it was, I thought was 
uh, unnecessary, time-consuming, mm-hmm. energy-diverting, uh, negativity. You know, Mary, where's my inner Marion Williamson was saying, I'm putting out negative vibes into the universe instead of promoting good things. So it was all because Twitter, right? So I said, you know what? I'll just stay off of Twitter. But anyway, uh, so John Oliver did this whole bit. Uh, on his show about public shaming and how uh, so, much, so much of it is out of control. And um, he worked his way th- uh, to Monica Lewinsky and he started to, did you see this show? It was really good. It, he started talking about how so many people piled on Monica Lewinsky and how um, when you look back on it, and, and I've been going through this thing because I, I remember this in the 90s, uh, Bill Clinton got a ride, but mm-hmm. Monica Lewinsky was hammered, and she was the butt of the joke, a butt of jokes on Jay Leno's show all the time, mm-hmm. almost every yeah. night. Jay Leno said jokes about Monica Lewinsky, Brianna, that would be completely and totally unacceptable in this day and age. Uh, and so he was publicly shaming her, and this is before she could respond, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the show, the interview culminated with Monica Lewinsky coming on. Uh, the show and being interviewed by John Oliver and she was saying that one of the things that's good about Twitter is that if this um, the scandal had erupted in this day and age she would have been able to mm-hmm. fight back and I also think in like the Twitter age it's the piling on happens so quickly and instantly on Twitter it might be like one or two days or a week because everybody can get it out and then on to the next thing. Whereas in that day and age, it's like you had to wait every night to see what Jay Leno had to say. Like it was so much more concentrated who had those opinions and who could broadcast them. And now people just get it out of their systems and on to the next. Yeah, and uh, the other thing she said, it was very empowering, I don't know if you have this feeling, uh, to defriend someone, or mm-hmm. what do you call it in Twitter? It's not friends. You can block or unfollow. Yeah, 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 whatever. She goes, it's very empowering. Some, so someone says something outrageous yeah. to her, boom. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, anyway, so it almost made me rethink my uh, thoughts about Twitter. But I know it here is in existence. I know you do a good job. I'm glad you do the job. I'm glad... <laughs> This guy over here for all his talk barely is on Twitter. Oh, uh, the, the one guy that tried helping you. You're throwing me under the bus. He's on your show Twitter all the time. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Come on. All right. No, and Leor Galil just tweeted, actually, uh, listening to at Benny J Show. That's our uh, handle. That's your handle. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah your at show. At Benny J Show. Uh, he says, uh, listening to at Benny J Show and heard Ben say my favorite Smash, uh, Smash Mouth song, We Are the World. <laughs> There you go. That's going to blow up on Twitter. I'm sure that's going to be uh, retweeted by Cory Booker at, at uh, any moment. Uh, no. Oh, man. I wonder if that'll get Smash Mouth to tune in. Yeah. Get the Smash Mouth bump on Twitter. Uh, I will get the Smash Mouth bump. Uh, in addition to, uh, to being the social media editor at The Reader, you're also... Um, uh, you follow the comedy scene in Chicago. What are some of the great, uh, the, some of the good shows, some of the good comics we should know about? Oh man, there's so many great comics in Chicago, and I really think any night of the week you could go out to a bar or a theater and see some of the best comedy in the city. Um, definitely, Wednesday nights Cole's open mic is still like a legendary open mic. It's where the best stand-ups try out their stuff. A lot of people drop in there. And it's always a super fun time. If you're not a comic, you might get free drinks. So if that's not incentive enough to go out on a Wednesday night to see some comedy. Um, there's also just some great like storytelling shows. One of my favorite is We Still Like You. It's people telling funny stories about things they're completely ashamed of. Um, and the whole audience is just really there to support them in their shame and then shout, We Still Like You. Where's that at? The end. Um, I believe they're doing that at the Cards Against Humanity Theater now. Um, 
And then another one that I love that I go to a lot is the paper machete at the Green Mill every Saturday. And that's comedy, but it's also music and, again, storytellers, journalists, kind of looking back at the week and news in a funny way. Something I think you would actually really enjoy, Ben, if you could check that out. Yeah. Uh, when is that? <laughs> that's Saturdays at uh, 3 p.m. So a nice, like, going to a dark bar in the middle of the day <laughs> yeah. situation. Uh, and uh, so you're a comic as well. You mm-hmm. get on stage. Yeah. Um, I host a show called Feminist Happy Hour at the Empty Bottle. Our next one is uh, Saturday, August 17th. It's at 6 p.m. And uh, we provide a space for women, non-binary and trans comics to do their thing in a safe space. And it's always super fun. Again, some of the funniest comics in the city are women, non-binary and trans comics. We're trying to break out of that boys club that comedy so often gets put into. Why is comedy in a boys club so much? I think because white men are more empowered to uh, go on stage and say whatever they want, even if they're not funny. (laughs) And it's taken a long time for other people to feel that same level of empowerment. And and who are, in your opinion, some of the, the funniest comics that are like beyond the Chicago local scene that are on the national scene? Beyond the Chicago scene? Uh, one of my favorites is always Maria Bamford. Um, she's just very unique in her delivery and how she tells jokes and sets them up, but is always talking about really serious personal things. And it's so great to see that juxtaposition of like silliness with seriousness. It's one of my favorite things about comedy is that you can talk about really serious things without being sad about it. So I love Maria Bamford, definitely. Who is the comic man? I was just, um, I just blanked on her name. Uh, uh, and um, she came up, I just blanked on her, Hannah. Uh, yeah, Hannah Gadsby. Yeah, what's your thoughts on Hannah Gadsby? I, I think she's doing a really interesting thing of like, anyone who plays with the format of what stand-up comedy should be, which I think most people think of like the Jerry Seinfeld sort of like set up joke delivery. Mm-hmm. So anyone who messes with how they do that is someone who I like and who should keep doing what they're doing and empowering other people to play around with the form. Definitely. What, and you're not a fan of Jerry Seinfeld? He's fine. <laughs> He's had his time. <laughs> but, but 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 about the, the the general format, just the comic getting up there and telling jokes. You think that's uh, sort of run its course? I think that it uh, puts people in a box and doesn't allow them to talk as much about what they really want to talk about. Like so many, and there are definitely jokes that are so funny in that format. But when people play around with the format, they can also play around with what they're saying more and not feeling like they just have to talk about like traffic or airline food or whatever the tropes of comedy are. So people who step outside of that, I think, come up with more interesting material in the process. Do you ever go back and watch old comics? Oh, yeah. Uh, And, uh, you know, just find yourself spending a lot of time on YouTube just something that's like true confessions here like yeah. an hour goes by and just watch oh yeah time. when it just keeps cycling through yeah. like going back and back it's i definitely like looking back on female comics like joan rivers is somebody who was so like controversial at the time but she was like one of the first like really popular female stand-ups so watching how she built that path to like where we are now, I find really fascinating. And like the things that she would say that people would just like cringe at and not laugh at is like what we're building comedy on now. Do you think she got too nasty at the end of her life? I think maybe, but that was also in the culture entirely at that time. Like the gossip columns were really what were blowing up or like televised gossip columns, basically like Perez Hilton. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think she was 
already kind of nasty and then was trying to elevate herself above people who were trying to live up to her standard. Um, and she kind of earned it, honestly. Yeah. Have you ever seen the, the documentary of her? There's a documentary of her. She's literally like 85, I want to say, and uh, still doing, mm-hmm. going. Oh, yeah. Her hustle is amazing. It's so inspiring to like, let's see. I'm thinking of Jerry Seinfeld specifically because my roommate keeps watching comedians in cars getting coffee. And just the way he still hustles is really impressive to me, even though I don't care so much for this thing. But it's like once you become that rich, it's hard to see people hustling. So seeing him hustle, seeing Joan Rivers hustle like in their older age is inspiring and also kind of um, upsetting that if you want a career in comedy, it's just like nonstop, even when you're at that point. No, I, I, I'm not a fan of that show, uh, Comedians and Cardi. I feel like I've yeah. kind of quit on it. But I, I remember watching a, a bit where he had Chris Rock. I don't, did you see the Chris Rock show? Mm-hmm. And they went out for, uh, obviously, they went out for a cup of coffee. And um, it, you're right. They're fabulously wealthy. They don't need to, to work at all anymore. But there they were still working at these jokes like they were Mm -hmm. almost painful painfully like looking for humor and all kinds of situations personal stuff talking about their Mm -hmm. kids and uh it was like something deep downside tormented comic it just never goes away no matter how successful you are yeah Uh, the one that i was just watching was with eddie murphy who hasn't actually gone on stage in like so many years and he was talking about how hard it would be to get back into stand-up because he hasn't been doing that. Like he basically atrophied that joke muscle, which yeah, if you to be Eddie Murphy and having to go to like an open mic must be crazy. What do you think when you look at old Eddie Murphy bits? I just, I, w- I just watched an th- old one a yeah. while ago. Some of them, I mean, just don't hold up just culturally, Yeah, but there are specific ones that I think are timeless. And like, again, like his delivery, he kind of stepped outside in his time that traditional joke structure to be more performative and like how he told jokes, which is what led to his movie career, obviously. Um, so I, I really enjoyed watching him back now, parts of it. Yeah, uh, but some parts of really kind of cringing, yeah. you know, when you, mm-hmm. uh, you watch him uh, again, he's one of the guys that, uh, uh, that I, I've, I actually must admit, I spent about an hour with uh, watching the other day. Any TV shows that you want to recommend? Oh my gosh, uh, <laughs> I watch so much TV. Watch Fleabag if you haven't watched Fleabag yet on Amazon. Oh, ben loves oh, that show. Don't get me, I <laughs> love Fleabag. Oh, Talk about so Fleabag, man. Good. Just tell people about Fleabag, because he's sick and tired of me talking about Big Fleabag. Time. Oh tell man, about Fleabag. I think it's just a perfect show because she told the story in such a short amount of time, cut off all of the like extra stuff that we don't need in TV. Just a really great study of how you can be uh, a good person while still being a terrible person. Mm-hmm. Um, I find she's so funny and it also just made me cry at the end. Like it hit all the sweet spots of TV for me. And what's the name of the creator? Uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Yeah. And she also worked on um, Killing Eve, which is a great show. And I heard she was punching up the new James Bond movie too. Yeah, she's busy. Yeah. She's really busy. And uh, that the jumpsuit in season two of Fleabag also like that's a trend that everybody bought that jumpsuit. Thing. Yeah, I don't remember the jumpsuit, and uh, uh, that went right over my head. Uh, <laughs> that was the big. One. That was all over Twitter. If you were on Twitter, you know more about the jumpsuit. We're coming right bad. back at it. Uh, and I've just blanked on the name of uh, Ice Cube. 
Smash Mouth. <laughs> uh, uh, the great, the show about the, the woman comic from the... Um, oh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yes. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, very obsessed on that show. Yeah, that's Are a good you? one, too. Do, do you like that one? I like it. Um, I wish that the that she bombed more, because I don't think anyone's that good at comedy yes. right away. And I, I would wish that we saw more of the joke sets. And had more like actual comedians writing the jokes. So those uh, would be my biggest greed yeah. on both fronts. Mm-hmm. No comic is just going to get no, up there, absolutely not. You know, and kill it that way. In one sense, I think it's good because I think it is inspiring a lot of women to think that they can do it that way and are getting up on stage. But then that must be all the more devastating when they bomb. By the way, I got to share this moment with you. I've never confessed this. Uh, after I first saw the marvelous was amazing. <laughs> Confession, Confession time on the Ben Jarofsky <laughs> show. I, I spent about an hour on YouTube going back and looking at the female uh, comics that she was patterned on. Mm-hmm. There was a whole group of them, and you could still see yeah. them on. Well, she was supposed to, that show started as it was going to be based on Joan Rivers coming up. But then they kind of shifted the time frame a little bit, and that part of detail of the show got lost. Well, it is very Joan Rivers esque, yeah. you know. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah, they made her broader than uh, Joan Rivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, good show. I was obsessed with it, uh, and um, yeah, Fleabag too. I'm obsessed with that as well. Uh, Brianna Wallace is my guest, social media editor at the Reader. One more time before we let you go, tell folks uh, about the big uh, Reader shindig that's coming up. Yeah, August twenty uh, third, seven a.m. to seven p.m. Check out our Facebook live stream, our website. We're going to be doing a telethon just to get the word out about our membership program, possible tap dancing, possible old reader folks, maybe more surprises as it comes together. Are you going to be the host for most of the day? Uh, we're going to split it up among current reader folks. So Tracy Bame, our publisher, is going to kick things off. Uh, our editors in chief, Karen Hawkins and Sujay Kumar, are going to host parts of it. So and then. Then your show will be right in yeah. the middle. Tracy Payne, by the way, a publisher of the reader, has about 10 minutes of stand-up she's going to do. Did you know that? Oh, and she's awesome. going to do her imitation. Yeah, Tracy Bame, she's listening right now. She's going to do a Rodney Dangerfield oh, imitation. Oh, yeah. I've heard her working on it in the office. It's going to kill. <laughs> you got a million. Anyway, thank you. For- <laughs> no, but yeah, we are going to be doing our show live uh, from there as well, 1 until mm-hmm. 3 p.m., the regular time. So it'll be a good time. Yeah, I got to cut deals and book guests, boy. I guess <laughs> I got to get that to look forward to. Uh, anyway, Brianna Wellen, thank you so much for stopping in. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. The great Ryan Kelly's on deck. He's just waiting and eager to get on and do his Rodney Dangerfield imitation. We're going to bring him on when we return. If you've heard anything about me and my campaign, you've heard that someone is running for president who wants to give every American $1,000 a month. I know this may sound like a gimmick, but this is a deeply American idea from Thomas Paine to Martin Luther King to today. Let me tell you why we need to do it and how we pay for it. Why do we need to do it? We already automated away millions of manufacturing jobs, and chances are your job could be next. If you don't believe me, just ask an auto worker here in Detroit. How do we pay for it? Raise your hand in the crowd if you've seen stores closing where you live. It is not just you. Amazon is closing 30% of America's stores and malls and paying zero in taxes while doing it. We need to do the opposite of much of what we're doing right now, and the opposite of Donald Trump is an Asian man who likes math. The Ben Jarofsky Show is supported by the Northwestern Summer Writers Conference. Now in its 15th year, the three-day conference held in Chicago features a diverse array of workshops, speakers, discussions, and readings. Learn more at sps.northwestern.edu writers. 
I read the the uh, op-ed last night, I believe, Lucy Flores, and Joe Biden needs to give an answer. Hey, everybody, what you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J-E-F-F. M is in Mary, A, N is in Nancy, U, E, L, P, I, A, N, I, S, T, dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. All right, everybody, hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Thursday, August 1st is moments away. But before we get into that, we need to thank the following unions once again for jumping on board and bringing back our show. First up, it's the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 in District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Thank you once again to those unions for jumping on board and helping bring back our show. And of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Hour number two, let's go. It is Thursday, August 1st, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, Union man Ryan Kelly is right here. I'm looking at him, and he's back. And it's the long-awaited return of our good friend and host of the Doris Davenport Show, the one, the only, Doris Davenport. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Yes, indeed. Ryan Kelly is in the studio. Union man Ryan Kelly is in the studio. We're going to bring him on real soon. But before we do that, D, you got an update for me? Oh, absolutely I do. You know I do. Uh, well, Stephen Colbert had an awful guest on his show last night. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, my first guest tonight spent uh, three terms in Congress, two terms as mayor of Chicago, uh, as the former chief of staff to President Barack Obama. Please welcome to the Late Show, Mayor Rahm Emanuel. Come on, Ben. Clap for him. Ben, I don't hear any boos, man. None. Uh, <laughs> that's right. I'm trying not to clap too much. Okay. Former Chicago mayor, Rahm Emanuel. Okay. So we have some highlights to play from Rahm's Colbert interview. Rahm, right. I'll be honest. He seems stoned, like the way he was acting. <laughs> hey, happened? man, it's 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 le- well, not technically, it's not legal, Rom. Here we it's go. It's not legal till uh, Ju- uh, January. <laughs> 
Oh, I'm smart. You're not. Okay. <laughs> All right. So we have some highlights to play here. It was a little awkward, but Ben Jarofsky's just going to riff on it left and right. I know he will. Right. Uh, first up, they talked about uh, the beef uh, between Colbert and Rom. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing okay. It's nice to have you here. Certainly a change nice from the old days. You personally shut down all Democrats from talking to me on the Colbert Report because you thought it was oh. a bad idea for them to talk to me I just because I would make jokes about them. Yeah. Sir, hey, have hey, you no decency? It's, it's not a career builder. <laughs> <laughs> why, is your career over now? Is that why no, you I was talking about here? them. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> that was funny, right, man? Uh, a little awkward moment there. <laughs> Mayor Ron then weighed in on the debate. Let's talk about uh, the debate tonight. You worked for Presidents Clinton and uh, President Obama. I'm sure you did a lot of debate prep yeah. for those two guys. Um, who got close to their level tonight? Who impressed you well, on stage? You know, uh, President Obama had, yes, yes, we can. Yep. President Clinton had, uh, as you know, put people first. We have, damn it, I wrote the bill. So that's kind of the closest. Uh, you think Bernie last night no, had the no, best I moment of the two I, nights? No, I think. Here's Endorsing I, Bernie. Thank you no, very much. Yeah. I, think, I think that will not help Bernie right now, given his base. Uh, so here's what I think. I think Democrats love to fall in love. Mm -hmm. Republicans fall in line. Hey, that's your line. Yeah, we're not yet in love. My we're still dating. <laughs> and that's the process right yeah, now. Okay. Geez, There's man. a lot more debates. Mm -hmm. And we're going to still date. You don't even how many, get any royalties off of that. How many more dates before uh, a while? Really? You're not, nobody's ready to come. Nobody's, nobody's ready to come home and see the in-laws yet. No one's going to no. jump in the sack no, after not, tonight? No, no, no. No? Not, this is, no, we no, got a while. I see you and I, and every, we love this every inch. We're measuring every 25 yards, et cetera. This is a marathon. All right, Rom, going on. It's a marathon. Here kidding. comes the seems uh. kind of stoned part. You're no longer uh, mayor of Chicago. You're not holding public office right now, so you don't have to watch what you say. Not that you ever did that I know. Much. I was going to say, yeah. yeah, that was not really, that, I don't think you have to worry about that. But now you're, <laughs> you can prepare to be Rombo again, the neutron Rom. Just blow up the place. <laughs> Where's Waldo? Huh? Oh, yeah. It's no, Waldo. I don't know. <laughs> Listen, uh, Rom did watch what he said. He was very measured in almost everything he said. Now, they're talking about what he says, you know, an, away from the camera, behind the scenes, where he was swearing like a sailor, et cetera, and so forth. Uh, but as mayor of the city of Chicago, he's very measured, very cautious, would not answer a question directly. He was the, the master of diverting attention and moving uh, to a different subject, a different topic, uh, and or reducing just repeating himself or making fun of the questionnaire. So uh, he was uh, he was not known for his openness and his honesty as mayor. Well, well Ben, you coined that. That was the duck and dive. Yeah, he yeah, ducked I mean, and like, dodged. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or duck and dodge. Duck that, and that, dodge. Was your, that was your, always your favorite term. Yeah, he's duck and dodge. He was a master of it, the ducking, the dodging. Uh, it's an art form, and uh, he did it. And, yeah, the whole bit. Uh, uh, what did he? What was the thing he said, D? That he owes he owes to me. He stole it right from me. Oh, uh, uh, Democrats fall in love. Republicans fall in line. Yeah, that's a uh, uh, thief. Yeah, there you go, you thief. But it was a little awkward at the at the top because Mayor Rahm, when he was running, uh, when he was in charge of the the congressional committee was very cautious about where Democrats went, and he did not want them to engage in banter with Steve Colbert, and he thought that it would uh, hurt their brand. Uh, so yeah, so there's many different dimensions of Rom. Rom, the controller uh, who tells other people what to do, and then Rom, who's promoting his own brand. 
goes on TV. So uh, we got more to play from that. We're going to play a little later. Romway's in on Joe Biden. Oh, boy. All right, we'll play that later. He looks so excited. (laughs) And also, uh, we got to post it on our Facebook and Twitter pages, at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show. A few of you have commented. We're going to read your comments as well. All right, very good. We'll get to that later. Doris Davenport coming in uh, later in the show. We're going back to debate talk, so I'm sure she'll have some interesting things to say about Rahm Emanuel. Ryan Kelly uh, in the studio. Welcome back, young man. What's up, brother? How are you guys doing? Doing very well today. Say brothers, and yes. <laughs> uh, I want to I want to say a couple things about this uh, young man who's sitting across me, Ryan Kelly. Uh, when I was uh, removed from the last job I have, he was one of the most loyal person people that came forward, stepped forward, helped me with the transition to this new podcast. And uh, so I just have to say thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate everything you did for me at that moment. I remember a phone call we had. It was uh, outstanding. Yeah, it was like, uh, you talk about F-bombs flying, uh, Ryan Kelly. Uh, uh, that, that's uh, one thing I appreciate about the, the former mayor is like, you know, off the record, yes. I mean, it's like, hey, Benny, you're going to kick some ass, dude. You're going to keep rocking and rolling. Fuck it. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty much what Ryan Kelly said. <laughs> uh, and uh, But I'm saying this all as a way of saying that uh, Ryan will not be a regular on the show anymore. There's a lot of other obligations he has with his job. So I just want to take this moment. You'll be back, I'm sure, but it won't be on a regular basis. I just want to say uh, thank you for uh, being so supportive of me uh, when I was on the ropes. All right? I don't ever think you guys were on the ropes. You guys were kick-ass then, you're kick-ass now, and you guys are like just trudging through it like a like a steel rod through butter. So you just keep doing what you're doing. Uh, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing, so I got some interesting, really cool uh, stuff to talk about coming up in the future. But as you said, I mean, there's some things coming up that are going to require more of my time, which are good things, folks. I mean, they're, they are good things. All right. Now, before you go, I happen to have a little fun with you here, young man. Oh. Uh, I always thought... Uh, that Ryan Kelly uh, came from Boston. <laughs> and it was just, I don't know what, the, the first time you came on the show, yeah, there, there's Little a dog, dog in the studio. Cool. <laughs> Doris Davenport. Doris, you're awesome. Yeah, I love you. Brought her dog. That's cool. <laughs> uh, Mr. Precious that is, is a in first. the studio. <laughs> uh, and Mr. Precious has entered the studio. Anyway, uh, and uh, so you, for some reason, I, you, we talked about Boston, and and uh, I just, in my mind's eye, Ryan Kelly is like, oh, the guy's from Boston. I think we were talking about the Kennedys. Hi, uh, I, uh, I believe King the Bobby Cotton. Kennedy thing, uh, the anniversary of his death or his birthday was coming. It was a milestone. I, was it Bobby 50? Kennedy's uh, the 50th anniversary. 50th anniversary, death. right. Yeah. So me and you deep dived off the record uh, on a, you know, just a wormhole of New England and Boston politics and East Eastern, East Coast, Northern East Coast politics, which I'm a huge fan of. Um, and, and yeah, so continue. Yeah. So anyway, so then uh, the other day we we're talking on the phone and uh, so I said, yeah, you're from Boston. And then Ryan Kelly says, no, I'm not from Boston. Go, <laughs> For the fifth mean? time. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not from Boston, Ben. And then it turns out he grew up in uh, the Chicago area and he attended, he graduated from Brother Rice. Brother Rice High School. Yes, I did. Yeah. 99th and Pulaski, uh, a South Side institution as far as the Catholic League goes. Public grammar school, but Catholic high school. Very right. proud of that school to this day. All right, Brother Rice. So, you know what, D, I thought I would do? Ryan Kelly here in the studio. What are you going to do? Mr. Mr. Brother Rice. Uh-oh. I thought I'd give him a Brother Rice trivia que- oh, question. No. All right. He's going to jam me up. I went to I'm Brother Rice. I'm already going to lose okay. here. Yeah. All right. I went to Brother Rice. Right, so, you got the first part right, okay. which is where is Brother Rice? 
there, Rice. Yes. So you got that one right. All right. So although the other half were better than Marist, um, uh, so that was the other question. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Better than Marist. Uh, that was sorry, not on Marist, the list, folks. But I love sorry, you, but just no. threw them under the bus. All right. Here we go. Brother Rice is the name of the school. It's a, <laughs> what? It's a boys' school. What it's is? It's a young men's school. Oh, excuse yeah. me. Come on, man. let's get oh, it yeah. right here. Yeah, no it's a young men's school. Uh, what is the sister school to Brother Rice? The sister school on the campus? Well, there's only one sister. Oh, what? It's, it's, a it's Mother quest. Macaulay, but I mean, like, <laughs> say it again. What Mother Macaulay. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. That is correct. It's on the campus, and St. Xavier College is there, and there's even a, a small public Evergreen Park grammar school on the south. East corner of right, that. You don't get North extra East. trivia. Oh, no, no, no. I'm going I'm to educate you because, <laughs> okay. in fact, the Christian Brothers are a. It's a men's organization. Oh my God, so that's they're the te- next question. So they're te- oh no, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Just, I'm running you off the rails right now, Ben. I'm ending oh, yeah? this. You yeah, you should yes, because I got this here. is how it goes. There is no sister organization. The Christian Brothers. There are the uh, Mother Macaulay sisters. They they run their you know their organization. But we all work together collaboratively. We're on the same campus. Um, we've remained. Uh, girl school, boys school. Yeah, the sister school. Right. Yeah, okay, that's what I said. Like, right. if you got to have a prom dance or something, or the, the sister yeah. school, the brother mixers. school? The mixers. The mixers. Okay, there yeah. we go. Look, he's trying to say my trivia questions are no good. What All else right. you got left, Ben? All right, oh, we got a lot. We're just warming up. <laughs> All right, boy, come on. All right, here we go. Let's go. School colors, brother Rice. Orange and, orange and maroon, man, all day. Excellent. And white, technically, if you really put it out there, but. All right, we're going to get a little harder. That's correct. Oh, no, no. <laughs> the school started in 1956. Wow, I did not. Even I did not know that. Yes. Okay, all right. When was the last year that the Brother Rice football team won the state championship? Ooh, that I can't answer, but I know we came close last year. <laughs> I'll give credit for that yeah. one. Coming close. Yes. Na- 1981. In fact, I know a guy who's in the operating engineers, uh, John McGlynn. His kid just was on the senior team. Uh, Johnny McGlynn, if you're out there, you're, your kid, the kid's a monster. All kid, right. Kid's a big kid. So. Now, here you go. Now we're going to take a little deeper dive. Oh, there's so many Brother Rice listeners right now. Our trivia points. Ryan Kelly, greatest rock star to graduate from Brother Rice. Uh, Greatest? uh, Oh, uh, Ario Speedwagon. Um, I'm... Farting on the name here, folks, but it's Ario Speedwagon. I will Kevin give Cronin. It. Very good. And That's ironically, right. class of 1984 85 was Ke- uh, John C. Riley. Wow. That was my next question. Boom. Look at this, folks. Greatest I mean, I just like, man, I, I, com- I know my school. Funniest you know? guy from uh, Brother Rice. Yeah, John, C. Riley, John C. Riley, all day. Uh, all day. Uh, Dennis's favorite movie, Step Brothers. Uh, and uh, I think it was 1983. Dennis is like, graduated. wow, this is like the worst trivia all ever. All right, here we go. <laughs> Greatest dancer from Brother Rice. Besides Flally, Ryan Kelly. Man. Flatly all day, river dance, dude. <laughs> Besides oh, come on. Ryan come Kelly. Come on. Besides Ryan Kelly. <laughs> oh, no, that's not uh, me, man. Uh, Ryan Kelly. I believe it was, was it Kevin Flatley or Michael Flatley? Michael Flatley, yes. yes. River dance. So if you've seen River Dance, the, the main guy doing that, everybody thinks that's an Irish guy. That's actually a Southside, well, Irish heritage American that like went to Ireland huge. Well, anyways, I can go on. But, All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the only alderman to graduate from brother. Rice. Ooh, I don't know that one. I don't know that one. If I were to guess, and I think I'm wrong, I'm just going to say my current alderman, Matt O'Shea, but I don't think that is the case. Negatory. Yeah. I don't uh, it's a trick question because Brother Rice is on the southwest side of Chicago, and this alderman is from the north side. Tom Tunney. Tunney went there. No Tom kidding. Tunney. I did not know that. Yeah, uh, 1973. And final Brother Rice trivia question to you. 
<laughs> You'll never get this in a million years. Oh, God. The greatest golfer from Brother Rice. I will not get that right now. I'll yeah, tell you right now. I would not yeah. know it either if I didn't look it up on the internet. Uh, his name is Lance Ten Breck. You ever heard of him? I've never heard of him either. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, I, I could have asked him. This is so easy. Greatest uh, hockey player from Brother Rice. Eddie Olchek. All right, oh, enough Brother Rice enough, trivia. Sorry. Um, and I played hockey, and I, I didn't even... Yeah, Eddie Olchek, uh, great player. Yeah, he's old. Yeah, yeah. all right. I know. All right, uh, uh, Ryan Kelly, I have to ask you... Um, about uh, healthcare, something that's uh, on my mind uh, in the aftermath of uh, last night's debate. Mm -hmm. And um, this is one of my pet peeves. I've, ex I've said this to you in the past. It's when we have an, I, I personally believe we have an insane system of healthcare that is not working and it needs to be uh, fixed, replaced, if you will, uh, because there's so many people who don't have health care. So many people are paying way too much for health care, and then it's inadequate when they really need it the most. And yet so many times, Ryan, at, during the debates, uh, to defend this madness, you'll hear some of the candidates say, well, I don't want to throw my good uh, union supporters uh, under a bus because they have good health care plans. As almost as though like they're defending our system by saying they're looking out for union workers. And I, I just, I'm always in comfortable with that because i know a lot of union people would that don't think their health care plans are that good uh, to start with so what's your thoughts on i mean i would say and, and I'll, I'll broadly speak and i'm not speaking for any other organization but i mean our, our health care plans are very as far as coverage like take out the cost let's look at like whether you have a 90 10 plan or an 85 15 or you have an 80 20 or i don't think most unions have a 75 25 but you're seeing that in the private sector I mean, here's the reality, folks. I mean, healthcare is a crushing uh, amount of money that just keeps going up. Mm -hmm. And I got no damn answer for it. I mean, like, we have the highest cost of health and I believe healthcare in the entire world. Our, our quality of service isn't even in the top five. Um, and, and there's this ongoing debate about universal health care or private sector health care and whether there needs to be health care needs to be a cost because it's a motivator to work and all this different stuff. I mean, I, I, I can look at every side of it and be comprehensive. But here are the facts. The facts are insurance costs keep going up every year. Now, some employers and some, um, if you're in a union, the insurance is all based off of your risk pool. So a risk pool is, you know, how many people are in your pool, you know, and what are their averages to have heart disease, diabetes, and all this different stuff. And they average it out, and that's how they come up with premiums. So the bigger the group, the larger the group, the, the more shared costs, the very socialist mechanism. Um, with that said, these costs keep going up. And going up, and I got a great story about the cost of health insurance in the sense of um, I once had um, my, my second child. I have four four daughters. Um, my second child was born. Uh, we didn't have insurance. I was in between jobs, and at that time was considered a pre existing condition. So when I was reemployed, um, it did not. Um, and I didn't have a union contract at that time or anything like that. I didn't have union insurance. Um, at that time, uh, it ended up cost, you know, it, it was considered a pre-existing condition. So even though I had gained uh, gainful health insurance, we were on the hook for the bill. And so as a self-payer, we had to go around in different area hospitals and like kind of price it out. Like you would buy a car. I mean, it was like, Hey, we're self payers. We're going to be paying cash, like well, cash or credit or whatever oh. the case may be. And long story short, we paid 
say X amount of dollars. Um, a couple of years later, employment situation is much better. Union insurance, uh, in fact, city of Chicago insurance, because I worked at the city. Um, and I went to the same hospital, had virtually the same procedure. Um, it, well, we did, my wife and I having our, our third child. And, and in fact, with less complications and the cost was triple the amount. And I, I personally believe it was just because of the fact that they knew they could charge $10 for a box of Kleenex on the table. And I'm not blaming the hospitals and I'm not blaming the doctors there, but somewhere between when you're receiving the service mm-hmm. to when it's being billed, there is a massive amount of inflation. And you see this go around on the internet sometimes where, you know, they break down the bill and what, you know, what, what did that, um, you know, they, they put you in that, that one piece thing, you know, when you're getting, you know, getting treated at the hospital or you tie it around the back. Oh yeah. The, the gown, the yeah, gown, yeah. right. Yeah. What are one of those costs? Like 40 bucks. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like it's the most basic off. piece of cloth that, yeah. that exists. I mean, it, it's yeah. like, you know, it's like second to a, to a, to a toga. I yeah. mean, so with that said, I mean, um, there is a major problem with health insurance right now in this country. People need to wake up. And I think when I look at um, the very small part of the debates, folks, I don't get too involved with national politics until we have some um, some people that have gotten through primaries. I, I say let them fight it out. But the reality is um, the idea of insurance is um, or universal insurance. I think people are generally in favor of. However, there's always this uh, this other side of the spectrum that I think defends the the capitalistic approach of health insurance. You know, well, if you know how much are your taxes going to go up if we get rid of insurance? Well, I ask you a question: If you're a non-union employee and your insurance is not bargained for, um, what is your health insurance plan? If you have like a decent plan, let's say an eighty twenty with uh, you know co-pays with a decent out-of-pocket maximum, your 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 insurance plan probably costs your employer sixteen thousand dollars a year mm-hmm. realistically minus what you're paying which we're seeing an increase in the um, the employee half increasing and increasing and in some cases the employer is washing their hands of it yeah even if the health insurance isn't going up they're switching the burden over to the employees so the issue there is you know everybody's like well if we got rid of that well then how much would our insurance go up? well let me ask you a question if you're non-union and you get paid fifty thousand dollars a year and then your insurance premium, um, that your the coverage covered by the company is sixteen thousand a year. Well, to me, folks, that's money on the table. Yeah. So if all of a sudden we go to universal health care, um, I would be the guy knocking on the door saying, "Hey, there's sixteen thousand dollars on the table." So, and then we can argue about the tax burden and this and that. But say your taxes do go up if you get universal health care, is it going to go up to offset sixteen thousand dollars? No. A year? Yeah. I don't believe that. I, I don't believe I it don't either. believe that at all. And even if you subsidize the the most unhealthy of the unhealthy and you subsidize um, people that don't even that aren't even employed, um, I think across the board we would be able to regulate and and better, you know, provide a service and the cost of a box of Kleenex and a gurney and this and that and the other. This is becoming a sticking issue for a lot of unions right now. It's becoming a sticking issue for union members right now. Right now in Valparaiso, Indiana, we got guys at Regal Beloit's company. They make like bearings for the aerospace industry and stuff like that. That is technical work. Aerospace folks think military, think um, your your big uh, air carriers and so on and so forth. Um, High precision items that are built by the machinist union. And 
they're out on the street. They've been out on the street since I believe June 1st. Um, after a, less, a last best and final was offered. And this is their last best and final puts them in a position where um, they put 30 cents on a table and nearly all of that, I believe the first year of the agreement would be eaten up by the health insurance increases, the ever ending or the never ending health insurance increases, which I think is bullshit. Um, because, you know, whether we're going to rein in uh, health insurance or, or whatever the case is, but at some point, uh, the look at CPI, the, the cost of living goes up anywhere from 1.5 to 3.0 a year. I mean, depending on what kind of year we're having, that's a, and that's the government figure for what the cost of, you know, based on the increase in the cost of milk, cost of gas, cost of a loaf of bread, like just what normal people spend money on. And, and it's an ever inflating number. Mm-hmm. It never goes down. There's never negative inflation, at least as far as I'm I'm aware of. So these folks have said enough because they gave concessions in their last agreement. Their concessions in their last agreement, when you factor in that they got pay increases, uh, I'll call them meager pay increases, um, they got meager pay increases. And when the health insurance is factored in, they ended up like around negative five to five and a half dollars from where they were with buying power four years ago and now they're being asked to do more and i say enough is enough with that these folks have been out since june 1st nobody has crossed the line there's a rally tomorrow in valparaiso folks if you're out there and you want to go hit up a rally i will even pick you up and drive you you hit me up on twitter or whatever the case is because no one's reserved the seat in my car yet but i'm heading out there our international president's going to be there our gen which is robert martinez jr the the international association of machinists and aerospace workers Steve Galloway, my GVP, is going to be there. And we're going to be out there in force. And they've been out there in force with Rally, with Scabby the Rat, and, and everything else, and, and PA systems. And you know what? We're going to serve water and everything else that we need to keep, need to do to keep people hydrated. And we're going to keep rocking and rolling. Because this healthcare thing, I, I'm, I'm, we're done with it. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where you got to draw a line. And what they're being told is mm-hmm. that, well, because your union, you know, this is why we have to do this. And I've actually experienced this at the bargaining. Wait, table. what do you mean? It's, because, well, you know, it's like, it's like, because you have like this special bargaining agreement that, you know, your insurance is different than everybody else's. So because yours is different, we have to, you know, we, what we get hit with, with us negotiators is like, well, you guys are like a special unit and we, we treat everybody one way, but you guys treat I'm like, no, you agreed to a deal here. So when we signed a contract four years ago, this was an amicable situation. Both people signed a line and you were happy with it. Now you're going to come back and say, oh, well, you guys got a special deal. First off, these people exercise the right to unionize. They exercise the right to collectively bargain. So I've always feel that the outcome of the bargaining agreement and the outcome of the bargaining situation after the negotiations and over and all the hotheads have everybody's relaxed and we've, we've come to terms. To come back years later and say, Oh, well, because you're union, you're, you know, you're, you're, we have to treat you differently or you got some sort of special deal. They agreed, the company agreed to whatever deal we have and we don't bargain for everybody else. We bargain for our members. So if we're getting a better deal to you folks that aren't union, I say you better organize because I think in many cases, um, people that have a union contract generally are able to secure better. um, Well, at least they have a seat at the table. At the end of the day, you have a chance to sit there and negotiate what it is, mm-hmm. whether it's successfully or unsuccessfully. But that, at the end of the day, health insurance is becoming a, uh, a negotiation within the negotiation. It's becoming a larger 
you know, and I'm not making this up, folks. I, I was a licensed insurance broker in this state. Like it, it's, it is a, uh, the, the, the metrics of insurance, not just what it comes out, what's extracted out of your paycheck on your cost, which many years ago, um, at least in my industry, uh, you didn't pay anything for insurance if you didn't have a family. If you were single, like you were 100% covered. It was just automatic. And now we're at a point where we're looking at 80-20 plans with like an out-of-pocket out of maximum of, say, $3,500. So that's $3,500 out of my pay I got to pay in a year before I don't have to pay anything for insurance. So that doesn't include the co-pays on um, your prescription drugs and if you get specialized treatment and all this different stuff. And if they lower the caps on like how many, you know, if you have a, a special needs kid and that kid needs to go in, some people I, I've heard about like 100 times a year. Yeah. Well, we're going to cap, you know, we cover the 100 times a year. Well, now we're only covering 60 yeah. times a year. Well, do the needs of that special needs kid that's like permanently that way, does that change? Absolutely not. Yeah. And they're like, well, sorry, it's not our problem. When you, you, when you say 80-20, let's make it clear who's paying the 80 and who's paying the 20. Okay, the company's typically paying the 80 and the employee's paying the 20. That's a good plan. That's, I would consider a close to average plan, like when you combine public and private sector, but it's not a figure I agree with. Um, I, I really think that, you know, every time we slip we and we go from 90-10 to 85-15 and we go to 80-20, mm -hmm. you know, we've lost ground. Because it's not like that's made up in the wages. Yeah. That's the first thing I say. Yeah. You want us to go to a, you know, a, uh, from a 85-15 to a, an 80-20? Yeah. Well, there's money on a the table there. So are you going to make up for that in wages? Well, there's, this is the coming political fight, Ryan, and this is... Um, this is the heart of what the debate that's been going on in the Democratic Party, because I don't know how long we can continue with the system that we have. I don't know how long, because you're talking about union negotiators fighting to keep any uh, raise the workers get from immediately be diverting to an insurance Correct. company. Right. So effectively, people will be asked to live on less because they're spending even more uh, on their insurance and they're considered lucky as a representative of workers. <laughs> I don't have the stones to sit in front of people and lie to them and say, Hey, I just got you a dollar a year per contract. Everybody's like, yeah, you know, we're going to vote. Yes. And, and then like glaze over the fact that your insurance is going up, you know, you know, uh, 4% year, 3% year over year, which have virtually eradicates the raise. Mm -hmm. You didn't get anything. It's fake. Yeah. It's not real. It's not a real raise. The contract did not produce additional economics for the worker. And and I can't, I won't live like that. And most of the union reps I know are on the same page with them mm -hmm. because you know what? Enough's enough. We've seen, you know, enough of the share. Well, we got to share the burden. We got to do, you know, the day is coming where it's like no one's gotten a raise. We all know wages are stagnated. It's not changed. Yeah. It's so... I, uh, I, I would hope that this is very naive when I say it, but I would hope that employer and employee would join together. I don't know why an employer wants to spend money, uh, more of its money to an insurance company, unless it's an insurance company itself. Uh, you know, I, well, I don't know well, why. Benny, that... I'll tell you what, I mean, like, here's a perfect example at the city of Chicago, there is an LMCC, there's a labor management committee for healthcare that involves, uh, figures from city government and figures from the labor movement and they proactively work together to find savings and they've introduced wellness programs and a lot of different things to 
uh, well, firstly, stall the, you know, frontline as a union rep, stall the increases for our members. But also that also generates savings for the taxpayers, which all of our city employees are also taxpayers. So it's one of those things where um, we're, we're being proactive. Labor is being proactive all across the board on like good ideas. But there are employers I go to like, hey, let's have a conversation. Let's figure out how we can introduce some programs that could stall this cost. And they're out there and they're just like, what, like we sit in a room every quarter and we got to meet and like and have accountability. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Sign me up. Yeah. Well, that uh, the city of Chicago should be uh, in. Uh, it's a great model. It really is. LMCCs, uh, not even just for healthcare, but a lot of different things. I think are are the future. Providing um, management's willing to get on board and work with labor partners. Ryan Kell, before I let you go and bring Doris Davenport on, uh, tell folks where they can go if they want to join that rally tomorrow. Uh, it's in Valparaiso, Indiana. I believe it starts at two o'clock. Uh, the company is Regal Beloit. So Google Regal Beloit, and. Um, well, Google Maps, I'm sorry, but, you know, or whatever your Maps app is, but get out there and um, starts at two. There's going to be, uh, like I said, the international president of the machinist union will be there to scorch the earth. <laughs> the general vice yeah. president will be there to scorch the earth. And we're not playing around this. They've been out there five weeks. Not one person has crossed that line and we know what kind of crunch they're feeling. But you know what? They ain't letting up. So Regal Bloyd, if you're listening you better be ready because we're not letting up. And you know what? The systems are there to uh, bring dry foods and everything else. Anybody who's having trouble, we're all helping each other out. All right. Very good. Ryan Kelly, thank you so much. Appreciate Thanks, it. Uh, Doris Davenport on deck. We're going to be talking more about the debates when we return. It's Chicagoland's adult entertainment playground. It's the world famous Admiral Theater, 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. The Admiral is homegrown from Chicago, and it's the most conveniently located club in all of the city. 15 minutes from the O'Hare Airport in downtown Chicago Loop. Voted Chicago's best strip club, the Admiral has showgirls galore and a variety of adult entertainment shows. The world famous Admiral Theater, open every day from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m., 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. For events, showtime, and other information, visit AdmiralX.com. Must be 18 years of age or older to enter. Today's Ben Jaromsky Show was brought to you in part by Chicago Architecture Center. Discover the breadth and majesty of Chicago's architecture on a Chicago Architecture Center bus tour. From bungalows to Bauhaus, our expert docents will share the fascinating stories behind our city's architecture. Book your tour at architecture.org slash tours. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm actually on a bus tour right now. Oh, my. Look at that wonderful piece of architecture. Get a special discount for Illinois residents from July 15th to August 15th. All Illinois residents get 50% off select walking tours. Visit architecture.org slash IL dash resident. So the first thing that I'm going to do when I'm president is I'm going to Clorox the Oval Office. The second thing I'm going to do is I will re-engage on global climate change. Our friends and co-hosts at the Chicago Sun-Times are offering you, yes, you, our listeners, an exclusive deal on unlimited digital access to all, that's A-L-L, all the stories you love. Unlock every feature, video and podcast, just like the Ben Jarofsky Show, by signing up now, that's N-O-W now, for a digital subscription. For a limited time only, you can lock in our lowest rate yet. 
Only $29.99 for a full year of all the news that you need to know. $29.99, that's not a typo. Stay up to date on breaking stories. Get the deep dives and investigations from sometimes reporters. Cheer for the big games with the best sports team in the city and go deep inside City Hall with best in-class political reporting. $29.99 for a full year of unlimited access. I looked online. I checked everywhere. You can't do better than that. Take advantage of this exclusive deal now at suntimes.com forward slash Ben. That's B-E-N, Ben. Hey, welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Yes, indeed. We are live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Doris Davenport in the studio. Uh, she's the host of the Doris Davenport Show, and it's called the Doris Davenport Show. Because she's the host. Oh, oh, you know, hey, am I good or what? Huh? Trippy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I know all that stuff. Anyway, uh, before we bring Doris on, she's going to be talking politics, 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 and politics. Before we do that, what you got for me, D? All right. Well, a lot is happening at the moment. First off, Ice Cube is in the Sun-Times <laughs> building trying to Stay cool. Yeah. Whoa. I want to talk basketball with Ice Cube. He's walking wandering around talking to somebody here. Ice, come in here. I referenced him earlier in the show, remember? Uh, I do not remember. Big memory on Ben Jarofsky. That was like literally an hour ago, dude. All right. Uh, was it when you were talking about We Are the World? Uh, something like that. Right, okay. uh, that, that was that crazy. That was Smash Mouth. Yeah, yeah. Now I mentioned Ice Cube. That's crazy. That'd be so awesome if you just walked in. Is he, no? Wait. Oh, no. Okay. That's Mr. Precious. I'm going to stop waiting for that. All right. So we do have. We do have actual updates. First up, Nancy Pelosi. Ben, hold your excitement. I gotta read this story, all right? <laughs> Nancy Pelosi. Hold I your thought ex- about her in at least a week. Go ahead. Hold your excitement, please. Yeah. Uh, Nancy Pelosi told reporters on Capitol Hill today that she would release a statement later today. Maybe it happened. I don't know. I'm so freaking out about Ice Cube. Uh, it says later today uh, on launching an impeachment inquiry. Uh, congressional reporters shouted questions to the House Speaker about whether her position on impeachment has changed now that a majority of her caucus backs an inquiry. Uh, some guy, Representative Ted Deutsch, Dutch of Florida, announced his support of launching impeachment proceedings today, becoming the 18th House Democrat to do so. So uh, Pelosi looks like uh, she's maybe launching an impeachment inquiry. So that's very interesting. Uh, our other update. Yeah, if you just tuned in, this guy was on Colbert last night. Ladies and gentlemen, my first guest tonight spent three terms in Congress, two terms as mayor of Chicago and as the former chief of staff to President Barack Obama. Please welcome to The Late Show, Mayor Ron Come on, Ben. Emmanuel. <laughs> Come on, Ben. <laughs> Oh, Doris, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, Rob Emanuel. Uh, Rob Emanuel. was on Colbert last night. We, uh, I've got uh, clips of it. He I'm men- smart, you're not. <laughs> he mentioned Joe Biden. I'm a writer. <laughs> he mentioned yeah. Joe Biden, uh, and we're going to play the audio of that uh, in a second here, but Joe Biden also uh, has an update here. He gave an interview, and uh, he's talking about his surprise uh, of last night about, hey, wh- wh- what happened? Why does everybody hate Obama? So he brought that up. He says, quote, I must tell you I was a little surprised at how much in, uh, incoming there was about Barack, about the president, Biden said during a campaign stop in Detroit today. He said, quote, I mean, I'm proud of having served with him. I'm proud of the job he did. I don't think there's anything he has to apologize for. And I think it's kind of surprised me the degree of the criticism. And uh, Rahm Emanuel, Ben's favorite, was asked about <laughs> Mayor Rahm uh, last night yeah. on Colbert. So uh, let's go ahead and play that okay. and we'll see what he says. 
What are the stakes at this stage of the campaign? We're still 16 months away from the election. We're still oh, no. six months away from the first primary. What do you think of having debates this early? Is it a good idea? Yeah, I think, first of all, like, take a, take a look at Joe Biden. I think the debates are going to make him a better candidate. And if not, he's not going to be the nominee. But I do think the now, why do you look. think that? Because, because he's got a callus? Because he's getting slapped around out there. But the, 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 he has got... Well, he here's, is, here's he a way he's like, they're, 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 they're him with blood, and they throw him into a pit of piranhas out there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying that he that can't laugh. hold his this own. Is, what I'm saying is that they are, they are going for him hard. Here's the thing you got to know. Yeah, they are. But that's good for Joe, because he has to prove he can take it, because it's not like Trump's going to go easy on you. Mm -hmm. And the second is, if you can't handle the campaign, trust me, it's not like it gets easier in the Oval Office. Mm -hmm. okay, okay, so how you campaign is how you govern? Now, if you can't handle the campaign, there's a best preparation because that in the Oval Office, it is all incoming 24-7. I mean, I, Kennedy had this great quote, when you're president, you have to choose between bad and worse. You got to be able to take it constantly. It's coming at you at every uh, way. You got to have really an excellent chief of staff, really good chief of staff. That's number one, okay? Uh, got to give him credit for that one. I give him credit. Got a good one off there, you know. Good one from Rom. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, happy for him. <laughs> oh boy, that was sarcasm. No, listen. Here's the thing. I had uh, love to hear uh, Doris Davenport's uh, thoughts on this. Uh, Rahm Emanuel, uh, in many ways. Uh, in my humble opinion, uh, and Bill Clinton uh, have mi misled Democrats. And they have uh, subscribed to the notion, if they didn't create the notion, I think it was more Clinton than Rom. Rom just followed in his footsteps, that the way to de for Democrats to win is to constantly move to the center. And with the Republicans moving to the right, the center keeps moving to the right. So the Democrats find themselves further and further removed from their base, what their base needs. And they start, and they, what we were just talking about with Ryan Kelly is a perfect example of it. We have a healthcare system that's utterly insane. You have union employees on strike because whatever raise they're going to get is not going to be a raise that they feel in their pocketbooks because it's immediately being diverted to cover the ever rise costs of premiums and the premiums are rising because there's a profit uh, motive here at, at play in our health care system and the democrats they couldn't get it passed under clinton and so they moved right on this thing and under obama and and uh with obama with obamacare which did away with the notion of one universal plan and so here here we are and democrats once again are telling their rank and file that you can't ask for universal care because it's too divisive an issue you'll lose swing voters you won't win the election so the, you'll still have donald trump in the white house and you'll have even worse health care so settle for something less that has been the message that Rahm Emanuel has been preaching, that Bill Clinton has been preaching for years and years, Doris Davenport. And uh, I have my big issues with Rahm and what he did as mayor of the city of Chicago. We'll put that aside. I'll just talk about the message that the Clintons and the Rahms and the Obamas have been preaching to Democrats. And I feel as though, Doris, that's at the heart of the uh, divisiveness in the Democratic Party right now that we saw on stage last night. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I actually agree with you. I think that one of the problems with the debate is that we have something like health care, and I think there are probably 20 different versions of a health care plan. 
And yes, the primary is um, the place where people distinguish themselves, where they distinguish their policy ideas. Mm -hmm. But as a party, I do think that they need to have some communication among them and really understand that we can't, whatever our health care plan is going to be, it's got to be something that the party is going to be able to come behind, stand behind as well. Healthcare is one of those things that everybody needs, everybody wants. And this idea that we really have a choice right now about health care in your private health care, it's really your employer's health care, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you have a choice of what they've already chosen for you, uh, <laughs> but it's not really you choosing what your health care is going to be. So if you really think about it, there might be a plan out there that is different than the plans that your employer put in front of you because your employer is making their decisions based on their profit margin, right? It's not really what's good for you. It's what's good for me that I can afford and that I'm willing to pay for you. And increasingly, employers are forcing employees to share that cost. Yes. I think that's what you and uh, Ryan Ryan were talking about. Uh, And when it comes to even the presidential candidates, they all have a different version. I I say this idea of uh, being in the center I think that the Democrats have not learned their lesson. Uh, I'm not a Castro fan. I I like a line. I didn't like the way he uh, gave the line to Biden, but I give the line in this regard. Some of us have learned from the past and some of us us have not. Mm -hmm. It seems that the Democrats as a party have not learned that they don't have to stay in the center. You know, they really don't. People are ready for big and bold ideas. That's who the Democrats have been as a nation. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what FDR's New Deal was all about. And people are looking for that New Deal. People are ready for that New Deal. All the polls show that people are looking for change. They wanted change under Obama. They don't feel those same people that wanted change don't feel they got enough of it. But they do want change. And I think this health care is a way to get it. And um, health care for all, why not? Why shouldn't everybody have health care? So why is it so difficult? I almost know the answer to this question when I'm asking about it. I'm really curious what, what your response is. Why is it so difficult for Joe Biden? Think about this. Joe Biden uh, has all the strength from being uh, the Obama's vice president. He's in a position He's t- to just take home the nomination. If he came out... If he endorsed Bernie Sanders, just follow me on this one, as radical as it is, Bernie Sanders' universal care, just the notion, just the concept, right now, I think it would be his nomination. He would, it, it would be over. If he got up there and go, you know what, Bernie was right, and I'm happy to sign on to it, and this is, I'm going to be as much a part of this movement as Bernie is. Why is it so, why, why can't the center of the Democratic Party ever moved to the left in a real way to embrace them and their ideas? Why is it so difficult for the Roms and the Bidens and the Obamas to do that? Yeah, you know, if it if this were Obama uh, now, I think looking back at the types of things and how bold Trump is being on his changes, I think Obama would be more aggressive and assertive on these issues and he'd be able to handle himself on his feet that way. Biden is a different animal, if you will. Um, I think that Biden, uh, it, he, he, he enjoys being the so-called safe bet, mm-hmm. which is why I think his, his poll numbers are consistent, even as he uh, is on and off the battlefield. Um, I think a lot of people think he's safe. And part of, 
part of people, and this might sound contradictory, but part of why people think he's safe is because he does kind of hover around that center. But the thing about about Biden is that people have seen him evolve on so many issues that he's trusted. I think that people know that he's going to do the right thing when he gets in there, if he gets in there. He may he may his talking points are all around the center. But I I I would not be I don't think it's far fetched to think that if Biden got the nomination and he were to win presidency, that he wouldn't support health care for all a universal plan. Yeah, I just wish he would say, if he's going to go that way, mm-hmm. say it. I uh, hear you. Just declare it and, and own the issue. Because right now, the way I view it, uh, the Democratic Party, if they go into, I've said this before in the show, if they go into the 2020 election divided on the issue of health care, they'll be at war with themselves throughout. You know, the Bernie Sanders faction of the Democratic Party, I don't think will be willing to sign on to a, a, a platform that does not include universal care. Well, I think there's time for that kind of marriage to take place. I think this is July. Mm-hmm. We still have, what, about uh, nine months left before um the election. And I think there's time. I think right now he's got to distinguish himself. And that does set him apart. As long as he can keep explaining it um, and and letting people know that he's not ruling out a public plan for people, Mm -hmm. but he's not going to take away the choice for those people who think they have a choice (laughs) when they really don't have a choice. Uh, Is that bizarre? It is bizarre. It's so bizarre. But you know, it's, it's, there's, there's this, and this is hit where Marianne Williamson stands out. Everybody kind of looks at her uh, with, you know, like she's a little cuckoo, but the woman makes a lot of sense. She talks a lot about that psychological uh, dark underbelly mm-hmm. of politics. Yeah. And if we really look at people like Gobbert, who, who says we really have got to end all of these endless regime changing wars, right? Mm -hmm. That's the only way we're gonna be able to divert all that money that we spend back to domestic issues. Uh, But the only way that's gonna happen is if what Marianne talks about takes place. And that's putting people in that really do have a different mindset, that really do understand that we've got to change people's minds. Otherwise, the brainwashing that Trump is doing and looking at the face of all those people in those rallies that he's doing in North Carolina and places like that. I mean, those people are strengthening. Before we go into the, uh, the, the, the Trump people, I, I, I want to follow up on something you just said. Uh, you, you made reference to two rather obscure uh, Democratic candidates who I think we'll all agree in this room don't have a chance of getting the nomination, and yet they're running. Uh, and we did, we've done surveys at the start of the show for the last two days. I'm all of our, everybody has given high grades, uh, well, to, uh, uh, to Tulsa Gabbard. I gave a high grade as well to Marion Williams. I can't remember what uh, Dee and uh, uh, Leah did. Uh, what contributions do you think, Doris? You've always been a very practical, pragmatic politician. So what contributions do you think that the... Um, the, the less w- well-known candidates are making in this race, like Gabbard and Williamson? Well, I think um, there are several of them making contributions. I, I am uh, pleased that Marianne is in the race because she brings a level of 
practical practicality that we need on the interpersonal side of politics, because truly politics is all about interpersonal communication. When we're talking about negotiations and we're talking about deals with other countries, whether they're trade deals, whether they're, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It's about interpersonal communications. So it is about the character of who you are. What's your moral compass? What is your center? You know, the kinds of things that we don't like to equate with politics because we just think of it as cutthroat, dark, ugly, give it to me. And if you don't give it to me, I'm going to take it. (laughs) And it does happen like that often. But she's bringing a humanity to it. And the hope is that when people listen to this and remember (laughs) that every time she takes the debate stage, she's not just talking among her colleagues. She's planting those seeds. I mean, there's a reason why Oprah Winfrey gave her so much airtime when she had her talk show, because she wants she's planting those seeds to try and really get people to understand the human side of who we are. And that's what we need to focus on. You take somebody like Gobbard. um, We don't really know a lot about her. She's got some baggage that nobody has pointed to yet. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that's because she doesn't get a lot of airtime. Like you said, she doesn't have a chance of being president. However, She's the kind of woman that has a chance of being vice president, just like um, what's the soccer mom's name? Alaska, who saw Russia. Oh, Sarah Palin. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. Was she a soccer mom? I don't think she was. A, that's what threw me when you said soccer oh, mom. What, what, what she was played that joke? basketball. She always talked about putting lipstick on a uh, uh, what's on a pig on a no. She was lipstick on a moose, wasn't it? She was, <laughs> we are lost she on was our Palin references. <laughs> I remember Chris Rock's whole thing though. He had a funny bit when he was on. Uh, I think it was David Letterman about how she was shooting a moose, and <laughs> it's actually not going to be funny when I say it because there's a lot of people got upset by it. But he was. Um, uh, anyway, I'm not even going to give the joke that he said, but yeah, it was something with moose. I forget. Yeah. Or hockey mom. Hockey, hockey mom. That's what it is. Hockey, hockey mom. Yeah, 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 yeah. So my bad. Yeah. Uh, Wrong but sport. Gobbard is, uh, I think she's the kind of person that, uh, I, and, and I think if you look at the footage from the end of the debate last night, so when you saw her on stage, she was very stoic, very military-like, mm-hmm. uh, very serious-minded. She, did, she didn't want to give anybody at all an opportunity to get into looking at her like a beautiful feminine woman. Mm -hmm. But when she left the stage and she went backstage and had a a tete-a-tete with Joe Biden, her entire persona changed. And you saw this feminine woman who was in my, (laughs) um, perhaps eyeing or Google-eyeing, hoping for a vice presidential uh, pick. But, and is she qualified to be vice president? I don't know. She certainly says a lot of great things when it comes to uh, regime change and yeah. bringing the troops home. But uh, again, she's got some baggage. I do not believe that uh, Joe, let's say Joe Biden gets the nominee. I mean, we're so far, going so far down the road. Yeah. But I just don't believe uh, he will select her no matter how much yeah, she I smiles either, at him. But I hope uh, she, I think she thinks yeah, so. Yeah, because the baggage that she brings yeah. uh, is just, would just cause such a distraction in the yeah. long run. But it just, the, the last part of that, to answer your question more about her, the contribution that she's mm-hmm. making is that none of the other candidates are really talking about foreign policy. So she continues to point uh point the, the conversation in that direction. And I think that's good. You, uh, uh, you, uh, 
uh, were texting me last night after the debate, and you were being a little <laughs> sneaky. You wouldn't tell me who you, uh, <laughs> some of your categories. You no, go, I have some surprises. Them. I want to, well, what are they? Uh-uh, not telling you. <laughs> You're going to have to wait. I was like, okay, okay. So why don't you uh, unveil your surprises right now? Oh, my goodness. Uh, oh, she's looking at her note. But it had to do with winners and losers. Yeah, and yeah. So, um, you know, when I was listening to the debate, uh, one of the things that I noticed, uh, you know, and I, and I do this whenever I'm uh, watching the debates, but uh, I try to look at who are my favorites um, and what surprises there were. And then, you know, I call them like surprises with surprises with secrets. And I think Goddard falls in that. Uh, Gobbard falls in that category. She's a she's a, she's a surprise because, you know, you don't. I didn't expect her walking in. I would not have expected that I would walk away giving her high marks. But I did give her high marks. I thought she did a good job. Mm-hmm. But again, I think she comes with a lot of surprises. Um, you know, I've always been a um, a Biden Harris. That's what I keep talking about. I like Biden and I like Harris. Um, uh, Wait, hold on. We were going through candidate by candidate, uh, a rundown, and we're giving them grades and stuff. I want to go, you to go back oh, and, okay. and grade some of the candidates that we've already graded before we continue this one. There you go. And uh, I believe we graded, let's see. We did uh, three. We did three. Uh, Mr. Yang, what was your grade for him? Oh, Yang. <laughs> Pressure bills for Doris. I gave Yang um, a C, but I really wanted to give him a B. Explain, please. Because I think that he's a practical guy, and I think he makes a lot of sense on the things that he's talking about, but he's a, like a one dog. Yeah, that's what we all said. One trick pony. One yeah. trick pony. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I don't. I don't know all those sayings. Yeah, no. But he's a one trick pony. I stumble on that one myself. Yeah, but you know, I mean, there are other others that have a version of what he wants to do with that putting a thousand dollars in everybody's hands. Kamala yeah. Harris, in fact, has part of her plan putting five hundred dollars in everybody's hand. Um, but she's capable of talking about other things at the same exactly, time. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Climate change. Did I tell you about it? We're all going to go to hell anyway. So how about take the thousand dollars? There's a great. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You gave him a C. That's very generous then. Uh, I gave him a C as well. I gave oh, him an A. Well, yeah, he gave him an A. You uh, gave him an A? Just because he said something. Uh, the last debate, <laughs> he said nothing. He had his hands in his pockets. The bar is pretty low for some of our graders, <laughs> I might add. Uh, uh, I gave him a C, but mainly because I like the fact that he didn't wear a tie. Uh, all right. He never wears he a never tie, wears I a don't tie. think. I, I don't think. ties as well. All right. Cory Booker. Oh, okay. Now, see, in my community, we have a saying that says, there you go, dipping in the Kool-Aid, you don't even know the flavor. <laughs> <laughs> and he cleaned it up because that's not quite how we say it. Uh, it's a podcast. So how do you say it? <laughs> yeah, um, what, what do we say? Now, you know how when you want, it to, yeah, when you want to call it, you can. There was a funny bit. I got to give Trevor Noah uh, credit. He had a funny bit about that because he said when, when Cory Booker said that, uh, all the white people in the room looked at him like, is that a real saying? <laughs> and then he was like, you know, black people just say any old thing. And white people, oh, I did not know you said that. I, I never heard Trevor anybody Noah. say that. I love Trevor <laughs> Yeah, Noah. no, Trevor knows a funny 
guy. He's not yeah. even from. He's not even from America, but he does all That's imitations. That's right. He's South African. South African, but uh, yeah, he did the <laughs> imitation of a black guy. And uh, I, I, I don't. What you've heard that saying before? Oh yeah, yeah. it's it's very common. Very common. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What can I say? In uh, other words, you know, you're dipping in my business, and you don't even know the details. Yeah. That's what it basically means. Yeah. But Cory Booker, I mm. think. Um, uh, so let me just say this as well. Yeah. I think that. Um, Trump has trained the media very well. Um, the spectacle that CNN put on last night was really, and the night, uh, uh, the, both nights, mm-hmm. and particularly the first night though, CNN was just looking for ratings. I mean, they were looking for somebody to attack somebody. They were asking questions, trying to get somebody to attack somebody. Mm-hmm. And frankly, it was obvious to me uh, that the candidates have all been rehearsing these one-liners. Yes, these they zingers. have. They saw Kamala Harris and her ratings boosted up. They said, well, hey, let we me get some of that. this. Yeah. I'll drink some of that Kamala Kool-Aid. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. So they all had their version of yeah. whatever that was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, and they, right, exactly. They were doing the Kamala thing. So going back to Corey, so you yeah. think that Kool-Aid line was something he was ready to go with? Oh, he was totally, he was pleased with himself. He did an interview after the debate, uh, <laughs> and he was totally pleased with himself. Uh, yeah. How about my Kool-Aid line? <laughs> right. Huh? right. Uh, stole it from Ben. I uh, have with him. That's right. But, and frankly, though, when Biden pushed back on uh, the same, the very same things he was talking about, he did not have a good defense. So when you get beyond, behind the words and really look at what he said, Corey didn't have a big defense for why he uh, did not put a halt on stop and frisk immediately. You know why? By the way. And why he called Giuliani's guy. Yeah, Giuliani's guy was Gary McCarthy. Exactly. Who came to Chicago. Oh, Chicago voters out there. Huh? What? Yeah. Yeah. That Gary McCarthy. And here's the problem, Dora. This is get back what I say, going back to Mm -hmm. Rahm and Clinton and Obama, that the policies that they pushed, Mm -hmm. I just talked about health care. What's criminal justice? Mm -hmm. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to lock up a bunch of black people Mm -hmm. and that will make a went over to suburban swing voters. I mean, it's yeah. just the attitude, although I have to say there were a lot of black people who signed on to that. Well, see, that's too. why last night when they were com- when they were attacking Biden on that point, when Corey was attacking Biden on that point, I wanted to say you can't, that's not even a legitimate attack because everybody knows by now how many black legislators voted for yeah. that and encouraged Clinton to, um, toward those policies because they too didn't understand the unintended consequences. Now, they need to make. They need to step up now, and a lot of them are to try to undo all that's been done. Yeah, no, the unintended consequences of policies that so many people endorsed. Then, then now you're uh, called on the carpet by a younger generation who yeah. wasn't around back in 1990, was not part of the conversation. So they feel totally free and liberated to mm-hmm. condemn it, mock it, say they would do differently. That's right. And then you're Joe Biden, and you're 77 years old, and you're basically going habada habada habada, and Stop you don't have making any- fun of Uncle Joe, <laughs> Grandpa Joe. You mean? Uh, I was. I actually came. We, we didn't. Great, uh, Jolton Joe, did we? We haven't got there yet. What's your grade for Cory Booker? Yes. A C. A C. A C. Yeah, oh. he performed well, but substance wise, a C. Well, I got to tell you, uh, Leah gave him an A minus. 
Leah loves uh, Cory Booker. I just got to tell you that. Uh, <laughs> she and, just thinks he's cute. Yeah. And uh, no, he went into a burning <laughs> building no, or something. Uh, and Dennis gave him an, uh, no, you gave him a C. Him Br- C. Brianna was in the studio then. She gave him an A. Uh, I gave him, uh, I think it's a B minus or maybe it was a B. I can't read my own writing. Trump has <laughs> trained me. you all well too. Yeah. Me and Dennis are looking for the substance. Yeah. See? No, I. Um, what did you give him? I gave him a B because he got the good one-liner off. Yeah, he did. And that was it. And I, uh, oh, Leah's going to get really mad at me. I've never really been impressed with Cory Booker. Mm-hmm. I've followed his career forever. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was one of those guys who figured he, he, he was going to be the kind of Democrat that beat up on teachers and was pro-charter school and anti teacher union and that was a very uh, specific flavor of democrat that emerged in about the last 10 years barack obama was drinking from that kool-aid so they were guilty he's guilty of being a centrist that he's now pointing the finger yes, at Biden absolutely and so is kamala we'll get to her in oh, a yeah. little while we'll get to her and it's just like they're all reinventing themselves to try to convince the younger crowd that they weren't sellouts mm-hmm. and you know the reality is that people who take the positions that are now becoming the uh, mainstream of the Democratic Party mm-hmm. were in the outs back in those days. There were people like me, Doris, mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's just, I watch, you know, everybody's throwing stones at everybody else. And it's like, why are you throwing stones, Cory <laughs> right. Booker? You were those selling out teachers back those mm-hmm. days, you know, so, and throwing people in jail. Um, and Gary McCarthy. And Gary McCarthy, that's yeah. right. Thank goodness he's not here. Yeah, big Matt Gary McCarthy. All right, uh, let's take a break. Oh, we have one more candidate that oh. we went through. Oh, that is correct. It was Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi I kind Gabbard. of gave her your yeah. review, but what grade would you give Tulsi Gabbard? Uh, <laughs> I, I gave Tulsi Gabbard a B. B. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, let's see. Uh, Leah gave her an A+. Plus. No, I gave her an A+. Plus. Oh, that I was g- me. Oh, that was you? I g- oh, you did too? Yeah. Right on. Yeah. I'm top leader. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, Brianna was in the studio, gave her a B+, plus, and I gave her an A. Uh, mm. And I think we all agreed that we really appreciated the perspective she brought yes. about a war and yes. the consequences. Absolutely. Uh, but I didn't know about the, uh, you know, given her business card to joe biden after <laughs> joe just ignore everything i said about war yeah what the hell here's my card <laughs> well now didn't she did she serve under that administration in, in in a capacity i think they're friends oh okay did not know that yeah i, for, I forgot that if i did she's so I, I have my issues with her on many many fronts but um mm-hmm. she's way too in my humble opinion way too wimpy on impeachment she came out with a statement after the Mueller report was mm-hmm. released uh where she said thank goodness he didn't call for the um uh uh, the, the the impeachment of Donald Trump, uh, or and uh, so we could just put this beside us because it'd be a civil war uh, if or the indictment of Donald Trump. That's what I'm thinking of, mm-hmm. and so it's a good thing we can put it beside. I'm like, oh, we can talk about heck, uh, impeachment. Can, what? <laughs> huh? I know they better start those proceedings before the election. Yes, get them going now. Maybe that's what uh, Dennis was. Otherwise, they've given Trump his best defense. Yeah, well, and Tulsi Gabbard uh, was a little guilty of that. All right, Doris Davenport's my guest. Uh, We come back. We're going to run down more grades from last night's debate. We'll be right back after this. You guys hear that? That's all the money I've been saving because all I do is go to Green Element Resale. That's right. You want to hear more about that place I go to? Well... Today's Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you in part by Green Element Resale. It's located at 6241 North Broadway in Chicago, and it's amazing. Furniture, appliances, lamps, books, clothes, electronics, 
It's a thrift shop, but it's the only thrift shop in Chicago that helps bring you the Ben Jarofsky Show. So if you're ever on Broadway between Granville and Devon, tell them thank you. And go check out Green Element Resale, 6241 North Broadway, and find more information at greenelementresale.com. Why don't you? Why are you the best candidate to heal the racial divide that exists in this country today, which has been stoked by the president's racist rhetoric? Yeah, first of all, the president's racist rhetoric should be enough grounds for everybody in this country to vote him out of office. That one thing alone should be enough. Second, Don. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Live from the Chicago Sun-Times, Mr. Jarofsky, take us home. All right, we'll do Doris Davenport's in the studio, uh, host of the Doris Davenport Show. And uh, we've been breaking down last night's debate, political junkie Doris Davenport is. By the way, I don't know if you, I, you're, I, we talk so much about you being from New York. I don't know, uh, Donald Trump took a shot at Al Sharpton, uh, who's from your <laughs> neck of the woods. Uh, and I guess that's a larger subject for another time, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on uh, yeah. that little fight. They were pals. He actually called him a racist. Trump called Trump, Sharpton Trump a racist. Trump called yeah. Sharpton a racist. And then the Sharp- pot called, called the kettle blood. <laughs> <laughs> and they were pals for all those years. You know, yeah. those, those New Yorkers. Mm-hmm. Just, Trump, what a character. <laughs> Unbelievable. My old friend, Al Sharpton, he's like, what a racist. Right. He's my old friend. <laughs> so Con men, who I've known all, you know, almost all my business life, because I had to deal with him, unfortunately, in New York. But I got along with him, Al Sharpton. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's now he's a the- racist. <laughs> He's like, I got along with him, but... He's my old friend, unfortunately, but I got along with him. Right, Which racist. one is it? <laughs> I mean, what? Yeah, no, he's, he's just Talk a little... Talk about Yeah, and uh, he's, you know, I, Donald Trump has changed absolutely everything in this country when it comes to what's acceptable in politics. He's, yeah. You know, his insane behavior is now becoming sort of the norm. Yeah. And uh, Bill de Blasio, well, we'll get into Bill de Blasio. He was like feeling his inner Donald Trump last night, blurting <laughs> stuff. Blurting, blurting is a very appropriate phrase. Get him out of that race as soon <laughs> as, as possible. possible. I mean, wouldn't you be scared to death to have somebody in the White House who, um, who, who, who headed the most violent police force in the country? You yes. know, I mean, the New York police force is not. And he's very, I mean, that's a whole other subject. How unpopular Bill de Blasio is with the rank and file of the New York City mm. police force. Uh, even beyond anything here in Chicago, I think, toward uh, uh, Rahm Emanuel or Lori Lightfoot. Uh, and mm-hmm. and so that's, he's got a lot of issues he brings to the table. Um, anyway, all right, enough on Bill de Blasio. Do you got an update for me? Absolutely, I do. First off, let me just say, uh, give a shout out to Doris's dog, uh, Mr. Precious. Mr. Precious knows where to lay to get in camera. He's been in shot the whole <laughs> time. The only spot. And the dog's like, me? Huh? Hey, I got a, st- uh, I got a future. To Way to go. You. The yeah. one spot that Mr. Precious can lay in to get in shot, Mr. Precious laid it. And he's good. Look at him. He's hanging out. Good duck. All right. Hey, Ben, did you hear who was on Stephen Colbert last night? Uh, was his name Rob? Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, my first guest tonight spent three terms in Congress, two terms as mayor of Chicago, and as the former chief of staff to President Barack Obama. Please welcome to the Late Show, Mayor Rob Come on, Ben. Emmanuel. Let's go. <laughs> 
Mayor Rahm was on Stephen Colbert last <laughs> night. Several of you have weighed in. We put it on our uh, Facebook page and Twitter page, at Benny J Show. Go check it out, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show. Let's read your thoughts. How about Suzanne? Suzanne, Oh, Mr. Precious in the building there. At the mic. Put him on the mic. Uh, Suzanne says, OMG, it is over in terms of a taxpayer-funded career. He can be an Uber driver. <laughs> yeah. Tom weighed in. Tom said, uh, come on, Facebook, quit being weird. Tom said, I can only take so much of this know-it-all trickster before moving on to my latest copy of The Sun. Daniel says, Rahm Emanuel is a liar and a thief. So is his rotten brother. <laughs> Robert says, like a bad penny, it keeps coming back. <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah. Uh, John says, uh, take a chill pill, man, which is a reference on our show. We played a lot. Yeah. I don't have it on hand at the moment. Jim says, no. Yeah. Patricia <laughs> says, fright. Catherine says, ugh. And Devin says, I'll be back. <laughs> yeah. All right, listen, I, uh, Rahm Emanuel, in my humble opinion, was a terrible mayor in the city of Chicago. Uh, I think he has given bad advice to uh, the Democratic Party. Ah, uh, but he got one good line off on that show, right, D? That little line about chief of staff, so I'm going to give the devil his due. He had a one good line. I do not know why uh, Stephen Colbert brought him on, but, you know, Stephen Colbert clearly doesn't like Rom, so why Rob would you waste your... him up. Maybe he's got some favor he's calling him. Ari probably promised him some kind of a role. There you go, Doris Take Davenport. a chill pill, man. Yeah, there we go. I take a chill pill. All right, uh, it is Rob now time Emanuel. for a segment here on the program where our editor, Leah, weighs in and she asks a question to our guest because she's awesome she does such an incredible job for for us we're gonna miss her when she's gone it's a little segment that we call leah's last word (laughs) (laughs) oh no i've heard her tough questions before hi leah um this question is about the debates so after watching these uh debates the last two nights which candidate do you think is best suited to go up against Donald Trump? Maybe not the one who's going to win, but who would do the best in debating against him? Can I answer that in the form of who would be the most entertaining? Sure. (laughs) It's your answer. Okay. Well, you know what would be interesting? I think there are two people that I think one of them is going to shock you and I want to talk about him later anyway, and that is Michael Bennett. I think he would be absolutely hilarious yeah. against Oh, it would be funny. It would be funny. <laughs> <No>. Okay. <laughs> uh, but I do think that um, Kamala Harris would be awesome against Donald Trump. Well, you know, I, that's what I thought, too. That's why I was so excited about Kamala Harris when I saw her take down Joe Biden mm-hmm. uh, in the first debate. And uh, so uh, the gag I've been doing, I've been drinking the Kamala Kool-Aid overlooking her entire career uh, coming up to this point. But I w- last night I watched her stumble. More than once or twice. Yes, mm-hmm. when it was her record that was uh, an issue. So when she was doing something other than attacking, when the prosecutor, you know, she very proud of the fact that she's a prosecutor. Uh, and, but when she wasn't the one prosecuting, she stumbled. And I think that her most... Well, there's several vulnerable points, but the, uh, the one that springs to mind is when uh, Tulsi Gabbard hit her and hit her hard on the issue of her throwing into jail uh, people in the state of California for marijuana. And the cash bonds. Yes, and mm-hmm. cash bonds. And just, do we have that bit? Oh, we don't have that bit. Uh, where Tulsi hits her, hits her hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she had no answer for it. Well, but see, the question was, like who would go up against Donald Trump? So when you're on a stage of nine other candidates 
and you know that any one of them can come at you one way or the other. If it were just her and Trump, facts don't matter. Yeah, that's true. So <laughs> it really is just about the fight. All right, now let me ask you about that. And that's, I always say, you know, Trump has reinvented everything. He's thrown all the rules out. Traditionally, politicians still want to play by the rules. Donald Trump doesn't. Uh, Hillary Clinton was trying to play by the rules. You know, to be the responsible candidate. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump was, remember, broke every rule when he walked behind her, for instance. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so like a real, poli- you know, like if you want to break the rules, you turn around and go, why are you walking behind me? Right. Get, what, like, right. Uh, like what would uh, Cory Booker say? The new Cory Booker say, you know what I mean? <laughs> Not the old Cory, you know, something about Kool-Aid in my community. You or know? when he said, I didn't interrupt you, Mr. Uh, Vice President, so please give me that respect. Yeah. Now, that's what Hillary should have said. Should have said. Yeah. She called him on it. Yeah. But she was doing that. Well, I'm just playing the traditional exactly. role here and I'm not acting. I'm surprised that there's this lunatic walking yeah. behind yeah. me in the camera. And Donald is a bully. So you have to you have to just give it to him every time. So so for instance, you just what do you do? You just ignore? No. Uh, no, like when oh. he come, if he comes at you and he goes, look at you talking about all this social justice and stuff. You were throwing people into jail for marijuana. If Donald Trump says that to her, what does she say? She she would say you were a top executive in your father's companies when you had all of those apartment buildings in Baltimore. And uh, the moment the white people left and the black people moved in, you stopped repairing them. You stopped fixing the plumbing and the water until they became rat infested. What does that say about your love for black people? So in other words, just hit them back. Hit them back. Just don't even dignify what he says with the response. Yeah, just simply go toe to toe. Yeah. Yeah. Why doesn't Doris Davenport run for president? I vote for her. <laughs> I like There's that. There's your res- vice president right there on the floor, <laughs> Mr. Precious. Oh, he's way better than Pence. Uh, <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, so anyway, dude, let's get some more of these candidates and we get Doris's reaction to Absolutely. Uh, I do have the audio of uh, Tulsi and um, Kamala, if you... Yeah, play it. I, uh, All right. This is the reason why I gave her an A+, by the way. Others were zigging, trying to hit Biden. Tulsi zagged and hit Kamala. <laughs> All right? That's good stuff. Congresswoman Gabbard, you took issue with Senator Harris confronting Vice President Biden at the last debate. You called it a, quote, false accusation that Joe Biden is a racist. What's your response? I want to bring the conversation back to the broken criminal justice system that is disproportionately negatively impacting black and brown people all across this country today. Now, Senator Harris says she's proud of her record as a prosecutor and that she'll be a prosecutor president, but I'm deeply concerned about this record. There are too many examples to cite, but she put over 1,500 people in jail for marijuana violations and then laughed about it when she was asked if she ever smoked marijuana. She blocked evidence. She blocked evidence that would have freed an innocent man from death row until the courts forced her to do so. She kept people in prison beyond their sentences to use them as cheap labor for the state of California. And she fought to keep cash bail system in place that impacts poor people in the worst kind of way. Thank you, Congressman. Doris Davenport, your response. Well, I mean, Kamala did not do her homework, in my opinion. I think that if you're the if you're if your ratings went up as high as they did, you know they're coming for you. So she should have had a piece of paper on that podium and with the little bubbles and every candidate's name in the bubble and one thing about them that she could just throw back at them because she had nothing to defend herself with. Nothing. She was on the ropes 
and she stayed there. Yeah, no, that's it. That's a, that gets back to what you were saying. Uh, this is, in general, I think, is uh, your advice to candidates: just ignore the the, the shots they uh, yeah, and give a counterpunch. That's right. Just uh, just ignore the gist of it. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's the Tony Preckwinkle style, by the way. I should just throw that out there. Tony Preckwinkle uh, is a big believer in just answering a question with whatever answer you want to give, whether it relates <laughs> to the question at all. Okay. Right. So. Yeah. Well, that's what Gabbard did. She didn't answer the question. She said, I want to bring this back to something I want to talk yes. about. And that's a great strategy, too. Yes. And I don't think Kamala ever suspected her of coming at her. She never thought, yeah, it would come from this source. Yes. Uh, and uh, and then what it, was it you that told me this? I can't remember. Or was you? What, oh, after the debate, yeah. I was watching her interview with Anderson Cooper after the debate, and I was very disappointed in her response mm-hmm. um, about the attack uh, that Tulsi Gabbard had on her, where she um, Anderson Cooper said, uh, how come you didn't really respond to these allegations that she was making? And then she said, well, I'm a top-tier candidate. She's a 1% candidate, so excuse me if I don't take her opinion seriously. That's, that seemed very, very inappropriate. Well, me. I didn't think it was inappropriate. Um, I think that um, it, it, it was, she was, she was responding to the diss with a diss. You know, it's kind of like, she's not worth my time. Why would I spend my time on her? I get what you're saying, yeah. though, because people, I'm a junkie. So if, if you're not a junkie and you're just watching that debate, it could come off as arrogant, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A yeah. political news junkie, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Not. Yeah. I got your yeah, back. Just, just cool. for the clarification, yeah. Andy. Yeah. I got your back. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. Let's get uh, let's get a few right. more grades here. Let's do these grades. All right. The last one we left off with was Tulsi Gabbard. Up next, uh, he looks like a, a lot like our guest yesterday, Mike Novak. Bill de Blasio. Uh, <laughs> Skip. Uh, oh, it's no. just Bill de Blasio F. I don't know why he's running in the campaign. And yeah. uh, I just have a lot of issues with Bill de Blasio. As everybody knows, listens to the show. He runs as a big liberal lefty and it's that. And when he's mayor of the city of, uh, city of Chicago, mayor of New York, wanted to give billions to Amazon and just cut from the romp cloth when it came to that. So, you know. F from Ben. Leah, yeah. what you got? Uh, maybe D minus. Doris. Um, zero. Zero. Uh, zero. Why is he even it's, running? Yeah, I I, I'm not a fan. Yeah. Not yeah a fan. I'll give him a D. Yeah. All right. Up next. This guy looks a lot like Anderson Cooper's dad, if you ask me. Jay Inslee. <laughs> oh, Leah I love likes his glasses. Him. I kept saying that. I was watching a debate with my daughter. I go, man, where did he get those are nice glasses? Uh, <laughs> I wrote something down about him, uh, and I'm I, trying to remember. All right. Here's Jay Inslee. I'm mm-hmm. going to give him a C. I'm going to tell you why. Because he is a one-issue candidate, uh, just like Yang. Oh, Only yeah, his issue is a real important issue. Yeah. And I believe he should have... Uh, hit hard on his issue to really help me talk about how uh, candidates who have no chance of winning can help the party adores uh, for the Democrats to uh, have ideas about climate change and promote the, the fact that we need climate change. We had Mike Novak on the show yesterday, environmentalist of passionately mm. talking about the dangers, the existential crisis we're all facing. And I believe Inslee blew his opportunity. He allowed himself to get diverted on other issues as though he were saying, you know, what? I'm going to show people that I can talk about other other things besides climate change. Mm-hmm. So um, I'll give him a C. It would uh, uh, largely because of the glasses I loved. Uh, <laughs> it brings him up from a lower grade, but I really think he blew an opportunity to talk about climate change. Leah? 
I actually, I think I give him a B plus. Whoa. Because, well, he didn't do anything that I disliked per se. Mm -hmm. And also he is the only candidate that's really valuing um, this issue as it should be. I think that he's the only candidate that's made climate change the number one issue uh, for of his campaign. And I think more candidates should be doing that. I, uh, I wish more candidates were doing that, Doris. Well, um, he, he's another one-trick pony when it comes to the issues. Um, I, I think that, I think Leah and I were talking about this a little earlier. I like his passion. We need it. Lord knows we need it. You know, but when he turns around and looks at Biden and says, but, you know, when you look at your plan, it's just too late. He, he makes it seem, Inslee makes it seem as if what he's recommending we can do overnight. Yeah. And that's not realistic. Biden is more of a realistic person. You don't like what he's saying. You can't. But, but, but he can look at you. I am waiting. My dream is for one of these debates, for one of them to say something to Biden and Biden turn around and look at them and say, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> because, <laughs> <Nicholson>. <laughs> because really what he's saying there's no way you can overnight change an 89% dependency on fossil fuels, right? I mean, there's got to be some ramp up, some transition period. So when he talks about, he, Biden, talks about a 10-year plan of transitioning, you know, Inslee gets really upset and says, 10 years? We don't have 10, yeah, years. We don't have 10 years. But we can't do what Inslee wants to do in less than 10 years. And more, most likely, uh, if the way this thing works out, if Biden is our next president, Inslee w could easily be in the cabinet. Yes. And uh, adjusting what he's saying to the realities. This is true. Um, but I do believe we should... We, sh we shouldn't make people think as though uh, we could just go to sleep on this issue. And that's why yeah. the, the, the need, uh, the, the, uh, that's why I was disappointed one more time in Inslee because he didn't, he had that moment to mm -hmm. really hammer home that theme. And he's, in my opinion, he diluted the message. D? I'd, I'd give him a C. Uh, you know, you fit the part. You're running for Democratic president. And you showed up. C. Good okay, job. Okay, all right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> up next. I'm giving this guy the uh, Andrew Yang Super Two Chill Award. Julian Castro. Oh, yeah. Julian Castro. Yeah. Yeah. A little too chill. I'm trying to think. What was he at a moment? Didn't, didn't he have a moment? He did. Yeah. He did. On immigration. Uh, yeah. Uh, listen, I loved the, his performance in the first debate on the issue of immigration because this. The ducking and dodging on this issue and the way you talk about the way the Democrats have allowed Donald Trump uh, to set the agenda, Doris, on this mm -hmm. issue, um, where it's like if you have any criticism of Donald Trump's policy for open borders and they turn it into either for open borders or for locking families up. Right. And um, so are you for decriminalization? Yes or no. And if like if you say, no, I'm, I'm against uh, criminalization, mm -hmm. don't think people uh, should be thrown into jail for sneaking into the country, then it's like, oh, you're for open borders and i i like how he keeps bringing it back to this point we shouldn't tr treat it like a, a serious crime when someone sneaks into the country and put them into jail and i i completely agree with him on that point i think this the whole issue uh of our uh, people coming in over the border from the south has been completely sensationalized by donald trump classic rom obama axelrod well, clinton reaction it might where, surprise you well let me just finish my sentence where you go to the right to meet donald mm -hmm. trump and uh, you forget about the left, and I'm not surprised, but go ahead. Because <laughs> I think we've had this debate before. Go ahead. Well, I, I, I really don't think that's a, a deliberate, like, 
like a strat strategic swing to the right when they do that. If you ask me whether I think that if they come over here illegally and, and it is against the law, should they be punished? Yes. If I walk out of here, I got two $43 tickets at these debates, one on the first night and one on the second night. And Oak Park, you people are going crazy with these tickets <laughs> because yeah. the sign says one thing yeah. and you can park there until eight o'clock. Uh -huh. And I got a ticket for parking there after eight o'clock. Yeah. I took pictures of everything. But okay. my point is, if I break the law, I have to go to jail or I get fined yeah. or I get punished. So why should it be different for anybody else? Well, OK, uh, first of all, I'm not saying you should be punished for a uh, thrown into jail for having a ticket so if uh, the equivalent would be give them a ticket and uh so but is that our, that's not our law though the law says and then no, if i if i punched leah in the face hey. i would go to jail for assault yeah that's the law well that's, that's the law says if you come over here illegally and, that, and that's where I, that's where I agree with uh, what Castro is saying is that that law is overkill. So, for instance, to, get, to use your example, uh, if you don't pay your tickets and your mm -hmm. tickets mount up, should the city of Chicago? I'm talking to Chicago now. Yeah. Should the city of Chicago have the right to impound your car? Should the city right. of Chicago have the right to hold that car mm -hmm. hostage every day? The mm -hmm. fine keeps doubling and doubling. And I would say no, they don't. That's too extreme. So I think the punishment outweighs. Doesn't the crime. I so agree. someone sneaking into this country, getting thrown into jail and separated from his kid just because they're trying to escape some brutal regime uh, or some gangs uh, in their home country uh, does not warrant throwing them in into jail. Nor do whatever you did does not warrant a forty-three dollar <laughs> fine. Oh, Park has lost its mind on many issues. This is just a one. It don't get me started on Oak Park, Doris. You know me on Oak Park. I know. I okay, know. Okay, so I got my issues with Oak Park, but that's my point. I think it's, yeah. and I think that's where Castro, uh, that's where he's helped, because he's focused constantly on this provision uh, in the law book that says it's a criminal offense, and that's the, my humble opinion of the contribution he's made. Did you give uh, Juliana a grade? I'm not a fan. I give him a D. Nope. <laughs> and the reason I give him a D is because he, yeah. too, is a one-trick pony. Now, yeah. if he spent as much time on criminal justice reform for black people as he does for others, then I might have a different opinion about him. But if he were president, I see him uh, segregating the country more and, and favoring one group over another. And I don't support that. So she gives him a D. Leah? I give him a B. I thought it was good, but I just... Would like to see more from him in the debate. He was not very present yeah. uh, at all. I give him uh, for last night's debate. Mm, I give him a C. Yeah, I, I would go with Doris and give him a D because uh, I don't know. He kind of seemed to do a lot better at the last debate, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of seemed to be more vocal, and yeah. uh, I don't know. It seems like we're talking I, about him more. I don't believe he'll be make it to the next round. Mm -hmm. I've, I've already looking ahead to September. I don't right, think he'll be on the stage. Right, the threshold has really increased. Yeah, and uh, he's fighting, I think, too. He's hoping someone makes him the VP. Mm -hmm. So that's my guess, anyway. All right, on to our next candidate, and um, here's the big moment from our next candidate. So the first thing that I'm going to do when I'm president <laughs> yeah. is I'm going to Clorox the Oval Office. <laughs> hey, now. The second thing I'm going to do <laughs> is I will re-engage climate change. That's right. It's Kirsten Gillibrand. Yeah, I'm giving her a B for that line. Okay? <laughs> right. She falls in the category of I'm not sure why she's running. Mm -hmm. uh, she, I don't see a pathway to victory. 
So then I asked the question I asked uh, Doris of uh, like Marion Williamson mm-hmm. uh, and Yang, what, what do you bring to the discussion? If you don't have a chance to win, what are you bringing? What perspectives are you yeah. bringing? I'm not quite sure I see it coming from her. Maybe you can help me on this one. Yeah, uh, she tried to score on Biden. I'm looking at my notes here uh, on the child care issue. Mm-hmm. I think that was her big one. Um, you know, she doesn't move me in any way. I don't see her bringing anything new that somebody else who's stronger is not bringing. Mm-hmm. So I'm like you. I don't know why she's running. I don't see a pathway for she her. She went on that riff about white privilege. She was the one who went on the white privilege riff. Yeah, but I think that's um, staged. I think that she has done every time she talks about getting on a bus and I went here and I went there and I I was with the people. Uh, well, okay. And, uh, but yeah, I think she's kind of using those terms that she thinks are going to get her over and they don't move me in that direction for her. Leah? I don't think that her attack on Biden regarding women's rights was very effective at all because I don't know. I just don't believe that Biden is a raging sexist. I don't really, I don't think, and he had a really good comeback to that too, where it's like, we used to stand together on these issues. And the only thing that's different is is that you're running for president now. That was a good I don't, you know, he's an old, old man. And I'm sure that he's, you know, all of her grandparents had some views like a long time ago. Um, But, you know, you change with, with the times and maybe he had this um like these kind of conservative views a very long time ago but i don't think that he would think those things now yeah I, well and he put, said yeah. as much he said that was a long time yeah. ago <laughs> good god lady that's malarkey i think he appropriately yeah there he appropriately put her in her place yeah d uh, I would give her a B. It's the opposite of uh, Julian Castro. I thought uh, Julian Castro w- did well in the first debate. Uh, Gillibrand, not so much. And she did okay in this debate. So, B. All right, very good. Our next candidate. <laughs> well, he's a nice guy, all right? A little boring, but he's he's nice. Why are you the best candidate to heal the racial divide that exists <laughs> this in this country today, guy. which has been stoked? by the president's racist uh, rhetoric. Yeah, first of all, the president's racist rhetoric should be enough grounds for everybody in this country to vote him out of office. That one thing alone should be enough. Second. It's no- Michael Bennett. Yeah, Michael Bennett. I Look, D, I, I know I can see Doris Davenport. I'm going to disagree on this one. Uh, this is <laughs> definitely, a, I don't know why this guy is running candidate and uh, a very uh, the centrist so he he kind of reminds me of the group from debate night number one which were all picking on bernie and elizabeth because yeah. they thought they were too liberal uh and he that 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 card wasn't really played in last night's debate because there was no real liberals on the stage so um and everybody was attacking joe biden the centrist mm-hmm. so i don't know why he's running i'm giving him a, a d i just don't know why he's running i don't hear anything from him uh, that really illuminates a problem we're facing in this country today in a way that makes me appreciate his contribution i'm giving him a d doris i know you're coming strong oh well I, he was my surprise mm-hmm. so I, I told you i had a surprise candidate that i really liked last night it was michael bennett um I think Michael Bennett of Colorado, he came out with that equal is not equal. And he talked, he drew that line from slavery to Jim Crow to um, redlining to uh, mass incarceration. And then he went on to talk about, you know, and and he threw some facts in there that really made people think. So he had really thought this out. He said... 89%, I believe it was 89 or 83% of people that are incarcerated dropped out of high school. 
And that if you really want to change what's happening with people going uh, into prison, then let's deal with our yeah. schools. Let's deal with education. I think of substance, substance wise, that was more substantive than most anything anybody said all night long. Yeah. I actually I wish I had uh, gotten gone first because I forgot that line. Which, uh, I give him a, a B. Yeah. Do, you wanna, I, do you want to take your grade back? Yeah, I'll give him a C. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Yeah. wise, Ronnie, but you're right. That was a good point. I give him a B minus. Everything he said, not, he didn't say anything objectionable to me. I, I appreciated what he said regarding race. Um, I think that the reason that he's not a standout to me and I don't like him that much is just his general demeanor <laughs> and like everything about him. <laughs> I think his voice is just, it, you can't have a president with that voice. I, I, that's, <laughs> you know, I think you articulated what I wasn't willing to go. But Do you I, want to put, bring your grade back down to a D now? Yeah, can I go back to a D? Uh, this is called a uh, flag blowing in the breeze. <laughs> Our host, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I'm going to give the feller a B plus just because I feel like this is the last time we're going to see him. And yeah, I don't think he's making the and next he's round. He's the only candidate. I don't know. He seems like the only candidate up there that take everybody out to Wendy's and pay for it. <laughs> he just seems like a nice guy. Yeah, he's yeah. a sweetie. Yeah. Uh, so a B plus for Bennett. I think Biden would take you out to Wendy's and pay for it. Oh, oh yeah. Biden, what do you think about that, buddy? So this idea is a bunch of malarkey. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. He wouldn't do that. All right. I think we have uh, one more. Do well, we, not? We, we got the final two, Joe Biden and Kamala. Ah, all right. Uh, let's go. I'm going to go. Fuck, I always have to go first. Then I get here's some Doris say, oh, can I change my grade? I'm giving Biden a B and I'm giving Kamala a D. And uh, Biden, Dennis said at the outset, all he had to do was uh, still be standing. And he did that. Uh, he, he did nothing that really impressed me. But he is Joe Biden. And he will be saying for the next year, Barack Obama, Barack Obama, Barack Obama, Barack Obama, and that should get him through Super Tuesday, those southern states. So he played his card, and he, he did it relatively well. He still emerged. He had a couple good lines, now that I think about it. And Kamala Harris, that was, she, you said it already so well. She did not, she was not ready for the counterpunches. She stumbled all over uh, her health care plan. Why she would unveil a health care plan on the eve of a debate. And she didn't even seem to know it that well. So I got to give her, I'm only giving her a D because I've consumed so much of the Kool-Aid. <laughs> it's hard for me to give her anything lower. So that's my grades. Uh, I give Kamala Harris a C. And uh, I give Biden uh, my highest grade, the B. Uh, Kamala, yes, I agree. You know, not only should she not have unveiled uh, this plan, but she's on record for flip-flopping every time she talks about whether what she's going to do with the private option. I mean, you know, she doesn't know it well enough, and she's she's not solid in her positioning. Yeah. Maybe she's giving herself wiggle room to change, like we were talking about this time to make that marriage happen, you know, mm -hmm. uh, for universal health care, yes. if she pairs up with somebody. But, uh, and Biden, the reason I give him a B is because... He was so vulnerable the last time, and if anybody had more to prove than anyone, it was him. Every single candidate was attacking him last night. He had to not only defend himself against one person, but against everybody, and he stood his ground. He did nothing to hurt himself or his positioning, so I give him a solid B. All right. Um, I also give Biden a B. He was under a lot of scrutiny, and he stayed afloat. I think that was all that he had to do. Um, I would have given an, him an A, but he wasn't very inspiring. He was fine, but I wasn't super impressed. Mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah, Kamala Harris, I think I give her a C also. I just, I, I was expecting a lot more from her after the first debate. I was very excited about her, but she didn't uh, bring it this time. Uh, and uh, young Dennis? I, I agree with you. I think Biden, oh, I'm sorry, uh, Kamala, uh, D, because, I don't know, it just seemed like, she was she was the Biden of this debate, right. you know what I mean? Everybody, you know, and I'd give Biden a B because yeah, dude, you're in the lead. Just show up, don't get run over. Stick up for yourself, and you're the winner. Yeah. Now, Doris, I have to ask you a question related uh, to Joe Biden. Really love to hear your response to this one. I talk about this with Dennis a lot. So many of my guests, I love every one of my guests. Okay, I don't agree with all of them, but I, mm -hmm. everybody uh, politically, but I love them for coming here and giving me their time, etc. Many of my guests come on the show, uh, and they assail Joe Biden, uh, and then they. Uh, I also say that what the Democrats really should do is listen to their base and listen to what their base has to say, and then respond, give their respond to their base, and uh, particularly black women. I hear that so many times from so many guests, and I absolutely, completely, and totally agree with that. That said, uh, as far as the polls I've seen, uh, Joe Biden is doing very well among black women. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe his strongest support group. A lot of them are very appreciative that he was Barack Obama's wingman. I say that all mm -hmm. the time. So I find that a really curious contradiction here. Somebody gets, <laughs> same people were trashing Joe Biden, come on my show, and I love every single one of them, okay? Uh, then saying, Ben, listen to the black women. So what am I supposed to do, Doris Davenport? If I listen to black women, I'm going to support Joe Biden. Well, are these black people you're talking about? Uh, some, but well, if mostly they're, if not. they're married black men, yeah. tell them if they want to stay married, <laughs> they need to listen to their woman. If they if they're seeking to get married, yeah. they need to listen to the woman. Um, it is a contradiction, and I do think that. They're as guilty as the people standing on that stage. And Biden said it best. You know, all of you are attacking me. And, and what he said today in his post interviews, Leah gave the report that he was saying he's shocked and surprised that they kept bringing up Obama, Obama. But they never said a thing about Obama doing anything wrong when he was president, mm -hmm. right? Now, we also know that when Obama ran, even the first time, it was black men who did not jump in as uh, supporters until the very last inning. Mm -hmm. But black women supported him from day one. Um, well, whoa, 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 whoa. D day one after Iowa. Mm, okay, from a nationwide. Yeah, In I'm Chicago, talking, uh, it yeah, was day one. Because I, I, I had so many conversations before Iowa uh, mm -hmm. with, with women with black women mm -hmm. and they go you know ben just because i'm black doesn't mean i'm from obama and i like hillary clinton and da 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 da, da blah 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 oh, and see, then those, Iowa are, the, went those down. are the black women who've drank the feminism kool-aid everybody's drinking some kind of kool-aid <laughs> uh and maybe you know if kamala does really well in iowa uh, that support that for joe biden will fade i I think it's stronger. Mm -hmm. I really do believe the allegiances that he built up when he was Obama's vice president yeah. are pretty strong. I do uh, too. I'm glad South Carolina primaries are first, right? Aren't they? Uh, well, there's, uh, I think well, Iowa's ahead of them. I, I, I had this memorized, uh, I, but I've now forgotten that. I know, I, and I've forgotten the, the lineup. The lineup, but I think Iowa's ahead of that. But uh, it's, I'll tell you who's not ahead of it Illinois. We're way at the bottom <laughs> of the pack, as we always are. <laughs> 
Uh, wow. So and um, anyway, so there's yeah. So it's uh, it's an interesting thing. Listen to black women, but that if you, if if you don't like what they who are they're endorsing, just then ignore them. That's you know? right. That's but say, right. Oh, I'm listening to you, but I don't like what you're saying. But that's so typical. I mean, black women have been at the bottom of the totem pole when it comes to having voice and having space and having you know being at the table for decision making on every level. Mm-hmm. And yeah. people don't like to admit that. Uh, often in commercials, you see a woman of color representing all women of color, and it's usually not a black woman representing herself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we can have that conversation for a long time. Doris Davenport is my guest. We really went way over time, D, for today's show to get these grades out. Uh, and uh, so I think we should close down the show for the day. I want to thank all my guests who were here today. God, it was so long ago. Uh, oh, Brianna Wellen from the Chicago Reader, Ryan Kelly at 2 o'clock, and he texted me. I just got his text to say that that rally in Valparaiso tomorrow is actually at 11 a.m. 11 a.m. is the rally, Ryan. Uh, thank you very much for the update. Appreciate that. Uh, and Doris Davenport, of course, always a blast to have her on the show. She's a regular here. Thank you so much. And ha- will always be a regular as long as I have a show. Uh, and Leah, you did a great job as always. And of course, the man, the myth, the legend behind the board. And Doris can tell you what they call him back home in Alton. What do they call him back home in Alton? Lightning rod. <laughs> <laughs> Good enough. It's actually white lightning, but I'll say lightning. White lightning rod. My name's Dennis. Anyway, keep yourself raised. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. And remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and Benny J bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites, chicago.suntimes.com forward slash Jarofsky, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Downloaders, we live stream this show 1 until 3 p.m. Tuesday through Friday at both Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader websites, and the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel. Check us out on social media at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show, on Facebook and Twitter, and The Ben Jarofsky Show, J-O-R-A-V is in victory, S-K-Y on Instagram. So this idea is a bunch of malarkey.